No big deal. Just going out and getting Kevin Durant so you can score 87 points in a playoff game. Not a big deal at all. Totally not even thinking about it. It's it's awesome. It's a lot of fun to be a Phoenix Suns fan. 87 points. Sorry, Chris Paul is banged up, all right? It's, yeah. It's not Kevin Durant's fault. Yeah, everything will be just fine. Forget it. I mean, for what it's worth, they really can't disappoint me. I knew this was coming. I told you all that after they were so piss poor in the first series. They stink. They stink. They do that the funny bit uh, in Phoenix where they're like, we don't need to hit any three-pointers three in the NBA. <laughs> what are those? I don't know where Tory Craig was. We're good. Yeah, be nice. Be nice if that He could have showed up. Again. Be nice. They decided to throw a campaign out there. I have fond memories of campaign helping during their run to the NBA Finals a couple years ago. I don't know what that was last night, but it wasn't help. God, that stunk. But you guys don't care about that. I understand. It's just a one-man island over here. Well, I mean, one I, man. I'm starting to enjoy this every time they lose, so I I, I feel like no, I do. I'm starting to care. Enjoying it. I'm starting to care. They put for out nuggets. something called Jack Landale last night. I'm like who the well, hell? That is, guy came in. Who the hell is that guy? <laughs> I was like, did they bring Frank Kaminsky back? Jack Landale. Kaminsky might have what been a, is that? He might have been on a help. It's, yeah, I might have been able to. And it's so much worse because I like I like Damian Lee so much. Like, that's my guy. And then he stunk. Oh, rough. Rough night. All right, it's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Uh, Prince Charles is here. It's Prince Charles' final week with us. Oh. This week. So I, I think we do the jersey swap on Thursday, right? And like We switch shirts in the middle of the show, I believe is how it works. So I don't know. I'll Could, bring my pen. There we go. There we go. Looking forward to that. A uh, lot to do on the program today. In a little bit, we're going to catch up with former Stanford coach and once upon a time, Ravens assistant David Shaw. Uh, of course, uh, Caillou Blue Kelly, Stanford cornerback, selected by the Ravens in the fifth round of the NFL draft. We'll learn more about him. Also later on this morning, Patrick Stevens joins us as he does every Tuesday. This Sunday is Selection Sunday in college lacrosse. He will preview what's still at stake during the course of this week. Also, uh, Maryland basketball added a player, <laughs> not the one you wanted, Jordan Geronimo from Indiana, who is a guy, <laughs> appears to have two legs. and He's got Big Ten basketball experience. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> A little bit. He played a little bit. A couple minutes a game. Um, the expectation is that we are – Hunter Dickinson can make his decision any moment now. So uh, if you want to you wanna follow that on Twitter and let me know if something comes across, we'll talk about it if and when it were to happen. Uh, also today, we're going to catch up with our buddy Pat Ricard, uh, Project Pat, Pancake Pat. I try to make Pineapple Pat stick. Because uh, Pat Ricard, like a good American, appreciates pineapple on his pizza. Because, again, he's a good American. He's a good American. But he wasn't really interested in pineapple, Pat. He thought that one maybe not so much. But we'll catch up with uh, Pat Ricard. Uh, just get a feel for how excited everybody is, given the events of the last couple of weeks. Could you imagine being a Ravens player like six weeks ago and then now? Like six weeks ago, it had to be just... We haven't signed anyone in free agency. Nerve-wracking, yeah. like hell. All you're hearing about from all of your friends is like, dude, what the F is going on over there? And you've got to present a good face because you don't want to like trash Tyler Huntley. Yeah. You don't want to be like, yeah, we can't win with that jerk. 
So you got to present like, oh, you know, I'm just a, I'm going to do my job. I'm a professional. The whole, like, you're trying to do all of that. But, like, in your heart of hearts, you know. Like, either we've got a shot at winning a Super Bowl or we're going to stink. Like, that's what we got ahead of us. And you're just completely racked by it. We'll talk with uh, Pat Ricard about what those emotions have been like over the course of the last couple of months. And also today, we'll make our first trip to Norfolk of the season. We'll chat with one of the Orioles' top infield prospects, Jordan Westberg, who, like, unfortunately, the part of it that we're going to have to bring up is, like, now, as exciting as it's probably been for Jordan Westberg coming up through the system, I, I got to wonder if he starts to get nervous at all. Like, I, I hate that, but, you know, it'll have to be something we discuss because, as we know, there's a glut of infield prospects and a belief that maybe the Orioles could dip into that glut of prospects in order to acquire some help elsewhere. But, I don't know, Jordan Westbrook's pretty good, so I I get why you're not in a race to do that. Um, interest, interesting that they brought up Joey Ortiz and used an, an option on a player just to get him for two days to face lefties just interesting yeah. that, that would be a route that this team would go I mean, I get it it's it's not a p- real problem for them yet and it just it also makes me wonder if like they're already thinking about whether or not he's going to be a part of the solution so maybe it's not their problem long term I don't know anyway uh, Jordan Westberg joins us later on in the program obviously the news yesterday by the way today's show oh did we get a uh, glory days winner can you uh yeah I'll f- I'll find all one. right please take care of that today glory days grill great food good sports that's the final Glory Days gift card that we uh, had to give away related to the uh, ill-fated Lamara meter, which is uh, no longer with us, fell off a cliff. It's dead, 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 Don, dead, dead. Lamar dead. broke it. Yeah, Lamar yeah. broke the Lamara meter, that yeah. jerk. Uh, but no, appreciate Glory Days Grill. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So basically like a second after the show ended, uh, the Ravens decided they were not going to pick up Patrick Queen's fifth-year option yesterday. And the conversation that we had at the end of yesterday's show, if you weren't with us for it, like that's sort of the conversation. I'm just basically going to do the exact same thing today, so I apologize to those of you that listen to the show. I'm so sorry. I attempted, and I still, the best answer I can get is it's totally possible that when the Ravens decided, look, we, we like you, but we just can't afford to sign both of you, that Patrick Queen would have preferred they not pick up his fifth-year option because it gets him closer to free agency and the opportunity. I'm going to point out two things. There, there are people, and unfortunately Griffin has been in this camp, that are unwilling because you've made up your mind about Patrick Queen to actually recognize what Patrick Queen is. I'll give you a number, for example. Do you know what Patrick Queen's, and I don't think PFF is Bible by any stretch of the imagination, but do you know what Patrick Queen's grade was in the second half of last season from PFF? Uh, the second half of the season, yeah. I don't know what it, what the exact because it, it was, it was 85.7. Do you know what Fred Warner's grade was for the entirety of last season was? No, I do not. 85.7. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that I think Patrick Queen is as good as Fred Warner. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to go crazy. But Fred Warner doesn't cost $12 million a year. You couldn't have Fred Warner at that price. Which is why, to me... I would have been willing to pick up Patrick Queen's fifth-year option 
Now, someone would say, well, how can you be sure that the guy that you saw in the second half of last season is going to show up again this year? And I would say, I can't be. I can't. You're right. I can't be. But even if he's something close to that, he's worth $12 million. Now, there's a few things there, obviously. One, you have to try to figure out, was Patrick Queen getting to that point in the second half of last season a steady rise? Again, by, if you just judge by PFF grades, it is. It was a steady rise, improvement year after year. Now, it started at a very low bar, and of course, that was when we all thought Patrick Queen was a bit of a bust as a draft pick. But was he just developing into the player that he ultimately became? Or do you think you could just plug anyone else in next to Roquan Smith and get essentially the same level of production? I would say no. Because nobody that was playing alongside Roquan Smith in Chicago was registering those types of numbers. I also think it's absurd to suggest, well, the Ravens already the Ravens drafted his replacement, so they didn't need him around any longer. If the Ravens are thinking that way, fire all of them. You don't take someone in the third round of the NFL draft and say, well, now we can get rid of the good players. It doesn't work that way. Now, the flip side of that, hey, we're not going to have Patrick Queen around much longer, so we should think about trying to find someone that might be capable of replacing him. That's possible. This is a chicken-and-the-egg situation. Trenton Simpson isn't the reason why the Ravens didn't pick up Patrick Queen's fifth-year option, but because the Ravens weren't going to pick up Patrick Queen's fifth-year option might be part of the reason why Trenton Simpson is here. That part works. Malik Harrison was supposed to be this guy a couple years ago. How's that working out? This notion that you take someone in the third round of the NFL draft and now you know you've got the answer is one of the dumbest things I've heard in a long time. My God, I hope, I pray that Trenton Simpson becomes that type of player. But imagine the thought process. Go back over the history of the third round of the NFL draft and imagine teams saying, we've got DeVar Darling now, so everything's good. Stupid. Flat out dumb. But again, the flip side works. If we know we're not going to ultimately be able to keep Patrick Queen around long term, so we need to try to take more swings at inside linebacker, makes sense. And they got to be thinking. I think you're the first thing you said. They got to think Roquan's got to going to elevate whoever's around him, even though maybe uh, it, there's not evidence in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I don't. But when they've already spent twenty million on middle linebacker, with that's the biggest point. The the point, and I can accept why you're not bringing you're not signing him long term. I can accept that that at some point it's just a budgetary thing. It's simply a budget thing. We can only invest so much money at this position. We can only have so much money put into off ball linebackers. It just doesn't work. Now, for one year, you can't sell me on that. But again, I think there can be complications. I also come back to, for next year, where is that money supposed to go? There's $70 million under the cap right now. Lamar's contract isn't, I, I, we, none of us have seen it, but the likelihood of them front-loading $70 million into the second year is slim, is the word I would come up with. I mean, I, I guess it's possible, but I don't think it's likely. There's going to be money there. Lamar's contract doesn't take up all of that in 2024. 
your prime free agents, as I've talked about before, Matt Abike, J.K. Dobbins. I guess you can throw Broderick Washington in that conversation as well if you're expecting him to take a step up this season. And I could certainly see where you'd want to sign those guys, but all of them are quite, none of them are guys that are certainties to be around. Matt Abike could be anywhere from a guy that's not going to cost you a ton of money to a guy that's going to cost you so much money that he prices himself outside of Baltimore. J.K. Dobbins, I would almost call a coin flip right now. I like J.K. Dobbins, but we can't pretend like J.K. Dobbins has been a superstar because we want him to be. I don't know how those are going to play out. I I can understand. I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's nuts. I don't think the Ravens are being reckless or stupid. I'm saying my opinion is when you have the ability to get a player at a reasonable price for one year, I don't think that can be a bad thing. And if other circumstances present themselves in order to make it so that you need to spend the money elsewhere, you always have the right to trade that player. That's my opinion. Fact says the way that Patrick Queen played in the second half of last season is more than deserving of a $12 million one-year deal. Now, again, can I guarantee that's what Patrick Queen is? I, I can't. I can't guarantee what Roquan Smith is going to be this season. I get it. We've got more of a track record, so we're a bit more comfortable about that. But there's a lot of bad there's a lot of bad bits being done. There's a lot of people that either didn't pay attention or don't want to acknowledge something because it would require them to say they might have been wrong about something in the past or whatever it is. Absolutely, Patrick Queen, the guy that we saw last season, was worth $12 million to play football. But is it complicated by where the Ravens are? Is it complicated by Lamar Jackson's contract? Sure. Sure. Is it complicated by simple budget? Constructs? Sure, I'll, I'll buy into all of that. And is it also simply possible that when the Ravens went and talked to Patrick Queen and told him, Pat, we love you, but we're probably not going to be able to keep you around long term, he even said to them, I would prefer if you didn't pick up my fifth-year option then. I would prefer you let me get closer to free agency so that I'm a little bit younger when I hit free agency and I have a better opportunity on the market. I think all of those things are possible. It might even be that he asked them, hey, can you try to find a trade? And they just didn't find something that was of enough value to them to make it worthwhile. I, I also don't know right now that he would want this. This goes back to the eternal question of, do you want to try to do a new deal with one team or do you want to try to get the open market and talk to a bunch of teams? And I don't know what the answer is to that either. It's a volatile market for inside linebackers. Like inside linebackers, some of them, the top guys, are making good money. Roquan Smith. But it's not like there's a significant drop between the top guys making a lot of money and then there's not like a steady diet of everybody's making good money. So I don't know what I would want if I were Patrick Queen. I, I don't know if today, if I were Patrick Queen, I would say, well, try to trade me now. I could see that. If there was a team that he knew that wanted to give him a sizable extension, then hell yeah, try to trade me now. Or maybe he looks and says, like, there's a chance for the Ravens to do something special this year. I'd like to be a part of that and stockpile another. Let me try to back up what I showed in the second half of last season 
and have another year of overwhelming evidence in order to hit free agency with in order to try to cash out at that point. I think either one of those scenarios could make sense. It, I could totally buy that there might not be teams ready to give him Boku bucks in an extension right now based on what he did in the second half of a season because they might say, eh, we think that has a lot to do with Roquan Smith as well. And we don't have Roquan Smith, so we don't know what it would be here. I think all of these things are plausible. But I'm never going to be the guy that says something is working, so let's be quick to get rid of the thing that works. I think they're looking ahead to, you know, saving money in the next year. And for what? You for, keep to, saying that. To use the money elsewhere at but another at a position a of value, corner, edge, right. receiver, right. spread and the it, money out. Sure, just for the sake of saying on whatever you're going to pull out of thin air. And again, that might have something to do with it. And I'm not saying that it's insane what the Ravens are doing. But you have something, it's there, it works, you have the option to pay the money. The other thing is magic beans. That's what you're saying. You're saying, I'd rather have magic beans. I, a corner, it is. an edge? You don't know if those guys are available, Griffin! You keep trying to say that. But this is what the Ravens always do. They always folk, They always prioritize in the in the offseason adding depth at corner and edge and receiver in those positions of value. They never, they never, you know, inside line. Do they? Or a weak side line. Tell me about all the, the depth they've done at cornerback this year. Tell me about that. Fair point this year. I, this is, we're just saying things. And again, I'm not, none of this is to say this is reckless or stupid or anything like that. This is my opinion of when you guys try to say Patrick Queen isn't worth this money, you're wrong. Flatly wrong. The numbers say he is. Now, you made up your opinions about Patrick Queen, and you're unwilling to shake that, so God bless you. I can't help you with that. There can be other things. There can be other factors, and that's fine. And I hope there prove to be some magic beans that are worth spending that money on next year. Again, I don't know who that is. Because the guys that you want typically don't get the free agency. I just think it would be highly, highly irresponsible to pay a weak side linebacker twelve million dollars next year when you are already when you're paying your Mike linebacker twenty already. Again, that sounds well and good. It sounds really smart, but the money's got to go somewhere. They're gonna figure something out. There's gonna be other players gonna, available. You just keep saying they're, they're gonna, gonna figure somebody out. else. You understand what you're saying? I'm already giving you the list. Right now, it could be Justin Matabike that you spend the money on. Maybe. I have no idea if Justin Matabike is worth that money today. I like Justin Matabike. He's a good football player. But if he costs significant money, $12 million a year, do you feel like that's something that you should be paying Justin Matabike based on what you've seen so far? Do you think J.K. Dobbins should be getting that money based on what you've seen so far? No. Like, this is where we are. I can always make the decision again next year, and I can always say, now I got to pay Matabike, now I got to pay Dobbins. I mean, I, I, I really run up on the level of maybe you're just never going to pay J.K. Dobbins. Like, yeah. I think that's, it's an awkward situation to be in because both he and Gus Edwards are up. Like, I, I think we've all kind of made peace with the idea that Gus Edwards won't be around long term, but like, you got to have somebody. Like, somebody's got to be a running back at some point. I don't know that it's going to be Keaton Mitchell, as much of a nice guy as he seemed to be, and as much as I like him. I, I don't think that that's just going to be your answer moving forward, although wouldn't that be cool if it worked out yeah, that well. way? I, somebody's got to be there. I just don't know how comfortable I am with the idea of saying that I've got to give that money to J.K. Dobbins. And when I know something's working, here's what I know. 
Patrick Queen is better at what he does than those guys were. So for one year and 12 million bucks, I'd rather give the money to a football player that I know is an answer versus guys that may or may not be. And again, I hope that by making this decision, which it might very well be the best thing for Patrick Queen too, I hope that the decision they've made involves a level of them saying, we think there is something worth spending money on. And whatever money we have, we're going to choose to spend it there. I hope that they're, this will all be super smart. And I don't think that losing Patrick Queen after this season will end up being the end-all be-all. And as other people have pointed out, if Patrick Queen has some monstrous season and they feel like they have to spend the money on him, they also have the option to put the franchise tag on him after that. There is that choice. Although, again, I, don't, I think part of making this decision is deciding that you're just not going to do that. That it doesn't matter how good Patrick Queen is. It doesn't matter that Patrick Queen was outstanding in the second half of the season. And even if he's outstanding again next year, you've invested what you're going to invest at the position. That's just what you're going to do. And I get it. I do. I get it. Long term, I understand. Given that it was one year, it wouldn't have been the choice that I would have made. But that's okay. I've been wrong before. I'll probably be wrong again. Well, maybe. There's also a chance I'll never be wrong again. But what I saw and what the numbers back up is a guy that was worth spending money on. And I like that. I like when a player is worth the money and you get a good football player versus doing what other franchises do where they have to spend extraordinary amounts of money on something else because you got to spend the money anyway. I like getting the guy. So, you know, not the end of the world, not that big of a deal. Maybe there'll be some magic beans. I'm all for it. I like magic beans. Maybe those magic beans could be Patrick Queen. It's that scene from Family Guy that everybody likes so much, where the what's the, the bit where they're like, you can get Anthony Richards. What's the you could you could have a boat, but you could also have the mystery box. Well, the mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. Then take the boat. Nah, I want the mystery box. I I I'm I'm I. Uh, it's just hard for me to call Patrick Queen a, a boat, I guess, comparing him to a mystery box. I feel like you're because you want to ignore what happened because you decided what you thought Patrick Queen was, so you want to ignore he's what like a, happened. A Honda Accord, a nice Honda Accord. Okay, if he performed at Fred Warner level, what's that? Uh, he, as a, as an offside linebacker, I, what is Fred Warner? Middle linebacker. What do you think if you're performing at the same level as Fred Warner? What does that make you? For for eight games, he performed like after Roquan showed up. It would start before Roquan showed up. It okay. started like two games before Roquan. I can go back and do the math on okay. it. What does that make you at that position? What I, I is that? Then he's he's gonna go get overpaid somewhere else. Then well, that's you keep saying overpaid. You just keep saying these things, and I get it. You don't like Patrick Queen. I've we've made this piece some time ago. You are you have decided what you think Patrick Queen is. So fact be damned. It's just the way that you operate. It's fine. But I'm asking you a separate question. If I told you this player is performing at the same level, it's not named Patrick Queen. It's 
Trenton Simpson is as good as Fred Warner, would you then suddenly say, yeah, but he's not? I mean, I I, I like Trenton Simpson because the cost is lower since he was a third-round pick compared I, to I, I, Queen being a first-round pick. We're just going to do this for forever. We're just going to Performing do below average. There's, you're just unwilling to acknowledge what Patrick Queen is because you don't want it to be that. And again, I don't want to try to tell you that Patrick Queen is Fred Warner either. I'm going to make that abundantly clear. I'm not saying Patrick Queen equals Fred Warner. But for the second half of last season, he did. And that's the part that I I can't pretend isn't true either. I can't join you and say, yeah, but he's not that good. Well, he was. He was. That player was worth that money. That's all I can say. But again, I hope the Ravens have the answer. And I can understand the argument for, at least long-term, simply saying we have to budget a certain amount of money and we cannot budget more money at the position. We made our choice. We paid a bunch of money to Roquan Smith. That's all we're going to be able to do. We have to make hard decisions after that. We can't budget more money. Long-term, I get it. I do. I understand. It kind of doesn't matter how good anybody else is. We're not going to be able to do that because for budget reasons, we can only have so much money tied up into certain positions. All right, I don't know what's going on with David Shaw. We're going to try to track him down. If not, life will go on. Maybe he's on a beach somewhere now that he's not coaching, and he's just like, I don't care about you guys. It's fine. I understand. We do still have a lot more to do on a Tuesday edition of the program. Hey, Stan the Fan, Charles Ross Grimsley and Jack Graham, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, got together last night. Obviously, things very exciting up in Aberdeen because they're about to get Jackson a holiday. I mean, it, he's already part of the Ironbirds, but they haven't played at home yet since Jackson Holiday was promoted, but they got a lot of home games coming up. So if you missed that conversation, you can find it at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or pressboxonline.com slash video. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. That first sip, that first bite, mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of the program. PressBoxOnline.com slash offers is where you find all of the best offers and incentives for getting involved in sports betting here in the state of Maryland. For example, get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers right now in order to sign up and claim your incentive. I had two different people bring this up, and I promise we're done with the Patrick Queen conversation. I had two different people bring this up and said, um, the biggest issue being it's all a cap hit in one season. It's $12 million that you can't spread around in any way. It's not that Patrick Queen isn't worth that money. It's just that anybody, they'd be looking to get some flexibility in how they go about doing it, and when you pick up a one-year option, you can't do that. That's from Dan. I had somebody else say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's a factor. Don't get me wrong. What's that? Good to go with uh, Coach Shaw. Okay, can we is, just see if Patrick can do yes. 45? Is that? Okay. Um I don't think that's not a factor. I believe that, right? Like it's it's if if not, then maybe see if eleven works, something like that. I don't know. I just want to make sure that everybody's okay, and I don't want to, you know, he didn't answer his phone. <laughs> like I appreciate it. I do appreciate him wanting to get back on. Um, twofold. One, the first being, yes, obviously that's a factor, unquestionably. When you have no ability, if you've made the decision that you're not going to sign someone long term, then you can't spread out that money in any way. You can't do anything to relieve the hit. So yes, undoubtedly, that's part, it's not a, it could very well be that they say, hey, we think you're worth $12 million, it's just that we don't want to take $12 million all at once. And that's the issue that we have. So I can buy that wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly I can buy that. But at the same time, at the same time, I still think that's a decision that you can make next year when you have a fuller picture of exactly what's available and what you're going to do and try to move them at that point. All right, let's switch gears. Um, this man, once upon a time, was an assistant coach right here in Baltimore with the Ravens, went on to have an, a hell of a career as the head coach at Stanford, recently decided to uh, step aside from that role. And uh, you saw him once again over with the folks at NFL Network during the course of the NFL Draft. He happens to know one of the Baltimore Ravens draft picks this year quite well. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the program Coach David Shaw, who is with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up. Thank you so much for taking some time for us. 
Oh, my pleasure. Glad to be on. Hey, Coach, I just want to take you back a couple years. Did you have any idea, you know, if we go all the way back to post the Ravens winning the Super Bowl, you arriving in Baltimore, did you know then that there had been a foundation lied with this franchise that 20 years down the road they were still going to be spoken of as one of the model organizations in all of American sports? Honestly, I did. Um, you know, Brian Billick coached me at Stanford, so I knew him very well, and he brought me in. And the consistent philosophy uh, that was laid down, um, honestly, uh, I truly believe, you know, the Aussie's draft philosophy, Aussie's philosophy of signing free agents and cap management. Um, you know, they had the, the one cap blow up kind of right before I got yeah. there. Um but the, the way that they manage the team and the philosophy of bringing in players and who they're looking for. And I've said it over and over again. Um, I still, when I get ready for the draft and I'm watching players, there's certain guys I look at and say, hey, that's a Raven, mm. right? There's a mm. philosophy of you're looking for um, the philosophy of defense and offensive line play and tight end usage. Like those things have gone over time and, uh, I'm excited. Uh, John Harbaugh's done an amazing job and I'm always rooting for the Ravens. Was it ever a little offensive to you that until now there hadn't been a Stanford player taken by the Ravens? Did you ever find yourself saying, hey, now wait a second, what the heck, man? You know, I never I never got upset. Um, <laughs> there, was, there were a lot of Alabama players. And yeah. It wasn't a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know what, though? I think there were there were guys that were on the board, and the way that um, – and Eric DaCosta's taken over, and it's been nothing but the same thing. Um, the great philosophy, great draft strategy. Um, there are times where – I know their guys are on the board, and I've talked to their scouts over time. They're guys that they've liked, um, but they're not going to take anybody ahead of where they think they deserve to be. Um, they believe in picking the right guys at the right time, and – they don't get upset if the guy gets taken early because every time they have a pick, they have multiple guys that they're ready for and that that board is stacked. And if somebody is taken, they don't worry about it. They take the next guy. And I've told the story so many times, um, you know, and I'm, I'm telling tales out of school, but it's pretty popular, pretty well known now. I mean, we were ready to take Byron Lefwich. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he had such a great career yep. and did an amazing job. Best interviews I've ever sat in on. Um, and we've got taken the pick before us. So there's shenanigans there, but it's fine. And Ozzie Newsom's like, hey, let's not worry about it. There's Terrell Suggs. Correct. You know, and that worked out pretty well for the Ravens. Decent. Um, so, yeah, we didn't, we didn't pout about it. We didn't upset about it because we had the board stacked in such a way that we're going to have multiple guys ready, and when our pick is there, the top guy on the board, we're going to take them, and then we're going to move on. Uh, it's the way it's worked for him, and for the most part, it has worked out quite well, as you point out, David Shaw. So I asked this question uh, as you were coaching Caillou Blue Kelly. Did you ever find yourself saying, I think he might be a Raven to me? I think he kind of looks like a Raven to me. You know, Caillou, um, I think, would fit a lot of places, um, but I love this fit for him. Um, he is he is physical. Um, he is aggressive. Um you know, he we 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 texted back and forth after the after the pick, and he was thinking, "Gosh, this is such a perfect fit." Um, you know, very very smart, um, very passionate, plays with a lot of energy, 
And I just said, man, I can't wait to see you put on that uniform and, and come out of the tunnel in that stadium. Um, it's just so perfect for him. And you know, his dad played yep. for years with Tampa Bay. And I said, for you to go to a place with a great defensive philosophy, just like your dad went to a place with a great defensive philosophy, um, I'm just so excited for him. He is David Shaw, former Stanford coach. He's with us here on GCR. Coach, what what makes Caillou special? What I, I, I guess twofold. One, I, one of the things that jumps out at me is he didn't get thrown at a lot this year. Um, and, and I don't know if maybe that prevented him from being able to show quite a bit of what it is that he's capable of doing. But, but two, when you first had him come into the program, what did you see that maybe made you say, oh, this, this kid might be someone who's going to end up playing on Sundays? Yeah, we had two kids drafted this year that I thought their freshman year. Uh, Michael Wilson just went yeah. to on the Cardinals. Yeah. And since freshman year, every year he was the first receiver out on the field. Um, you never worried about his diet. You never worried about his, his preparation. Took everything seriously. And Caillou was the same way. Um, Caillou came in and he had his pro- own process. He set up his own cones to work on his drills. Hmm. Um, uh, before practice started, um, he did extra things after practice. Um, he always wanted to, to cover the best receivers in one-on-one. He didn't. He didn't try to just go out and get a win. He wanted to be challenged. Um, we got a great. We had developed a great relationship because he was one of those guys that would come up and ask me questions and wasn't afraid of you know the old coach. He was like, "Hey, coach, can we get more of this?" or Hey, coach, why are we doing this? Like, I'm trying to understand. And uh, he told me early on, he said, Coach, I have big goals. And I said, I'm glad you do because you've got good skills. So um, his process early on, and then he didn't start right away as a freshman, but we had an injury, and he went out there to play, and we never took him off the field the rest of the year. Um, He made some unbelievable interceptions. Um, We had Paulson Adebo on the other side, so he was that guy, that young guy that was going to get thrown at. And he did a great job, got some interceptions, pass deflections, et cetera. The last two years is one of the better corners in our conference. Uh, most of the balls went the other way. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a lot about his mentality of staying ready. Well, just like you said, I don't think he has to worry about that this year. But you always find the rookie, so he's going to get a lot of action. Yeah, correct. If he is on the field, there's no doubt that opposing teams are going to say, okay, we're going to take our chances against him and we're going to go that route. One of the things he brought up, um, you know, in talking to reporters after he was picked was that one of what he feels his versatility, his ability to swing inside and outside is what makes him particularly valuable. Could you talk me through, you know, how he could be used? I'm going to guess that you guys said, hey, we want him out there marked up with wide receivers on the outside, but do you feel like he has the opportunity to do some different things at the NFL level? There's no question about it. And a lot of scouts brought that up this year. Um, we did not play him at the nickel this year, but we had an injury at corner. So um, it was better for us to play a safety at nickel and keep him at corner. So we always knew our number one corners on the field and actually our, our top two healthy corners were on the field. But last year, the 2021 season, um, he was our best nickel. Um, and what I love about him is he's super competitive. He loves to blitz. Um, he, he could play the run and, and come in there and make tackles. Um, but he also made some great interceptions uh, working the slot, especially on third down where you know that that's where a lot of times that ball is going when you play too high. And uh, he did a great job. So he's excited about that. He knows he can play well in there. He would have loved to play in there, but he's also such a great team guy. He said, hey, I, I know we don't have enough we'll have another corner to put out there. So I'm not going to be upset, you know, play whoever you need to go. Let me go out there and play my best corner. 
as we all know, you, you can't be dumb and uh, end up at Stanford. It just doesn't work that way. I wasn't even allowed on campus uh, when I was out visiting. They said, no, 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 we can smell you. We, we, you're not allowed over here. Um, can you talk about how his intelligence has translated to football? And then maybe, as you pointed out earlier, obviously being the son of a football player, like, are, do you just sense that there are instincts or things that he understands about the game that maybe the average person his age can't fully comprehend? Well, uh, first of all, going back with just working with his dad early on. So a lot of freshmen come in. You kind of have to really teach them how not to play seven-on-seven defensive back. you got to teach them how to play tackle football defensive back. Um, and right from the very beginning, all the drills, um, all the competitive instincts, they were all there from his freshman year right, right off the bat. Um, talking the game, uh, he understands it because um, he talked the game at home. Um, and, 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 and his father, Brian is, is so awesome. Like he and I have never had a bad, bad conversation over the last three or four years and Brian gets it. He doesn't push him too hard. Um, but he does want him to be challenged. It's part of the reason why his family wanted him at Stanford. They wanted him to be challenged in the classroom and challenged intellectually and challenged football wise. Um, so, uh, this kid gets it. Um, like I said, being able to come in and play nickel, and, and learn it and understand it and be one of our highest graded players and then come out and play corner and know what to do. Um, he knows what the safeties are supposed to do. Um, so he's one of those guys that I look at, and I'm the son of a defensive back, so this is the way my, my mind works, <laughs> was this guy can play corner, he can play nickel, and towards the end of his career, like a lot of really good corners, you're going to be able to move him back to safety because he can make the calls, he understands it, um, and he'll have the speed to run sideline to sideline, and he's a good tackler. I was wondering, uh, since we have you, Coach, Coach David Shaw is with us here on GCR. We know you've been doing this analyst thing for a long time now, right? Like, this is kind of your role at the NFL Network during the NFL draft. I, I want to just ask you what you think about the Ravens in, in particular and what they did, but specifically a guy that you went up against. I, I know a lot of people here are really excited about the Ravens' seventh-round pick, Andrew Voorhees, because there's this belief that, you know, had he not gotten hurt, this could have been a second, third-round pick. So, just you know, twofold again. What you thought of the Ravens in general, and then specifically having gone up against him, what you think Andrew Voorhees could be once he's healthy in the NFL? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, once again, kudos to Eric DaCosta and all and the, the the staff and the coaches. Um, I had Zay Flowers as my top receiver, mm. um, and. Uh, I've watched a lot of Georgia football the last couple of years, just like everybody who's done this draft, because that's where, you know, it seems like all the players are getting drafted from. And I love what they did on offense over the last couple of years. So I'm so excited about Coach Munkin um, taking over on the offensive side. Um, you know, you've got a really good runner. Hopefully he can stay healthy also. Um, but then to bring in, um, you know, uh, an all-star type receiver, and to get your quarterback back, and now to, to take the number one t- number one receiver in the draft, in my opinion, and to have a Pro Bowl tight end, um, I think it's going to be really exciting. So I was excited to see Zay Flowers get there, but uh, Voorhees now, uh, you said it, if, if he can be healthy, if he can stay healthy, which is the only reason why he's taking this late, um, this guy moves people. Um, that's one of the things we, we, we talk about, being a, move, a people mover. He he knocks people back. He's got uh, great length and athleticism. He's really physical. Um, and, you know, he's one of those guys when you put the, put the film on, you know, he, he's a raven. Um, he's great with his hands. He gets his hands on people and, and knocks people back. So 
Uh, I think it's a great fit. Well, we like the sounds of that. And, and then if I could coach before I let you go, I I think back to 2005 and the Ravens bringing in a guy who was already 31 years old at that point in Derek Mason and the impact that, that Mace had on this franchise for the next five years. And I don't know that Odell – it might be an unfair standard for Odell Beckham, right, given everything that he's been through the last couple of years. But do you see any world in which he could provide something similar to the Baltimore Ravens as a leader, as a veteran around these young guys, as you got once upon a time when Mace came in at a point where – you know, you know how many people think after thirty you should say, yeah, don't don't bring in wide receivers after thirty. That's not the way to go about doing it. But do you feel like there's a chance that Beckham could have that type of influence? I, I would say the influence could even be even bigger because he's no offense to anybody, he's a better player. Sure. Um, and and as much as him still coming off of an injury, and I've talked to people and I watched that workout that he put put through, he's coming in with fresh legs. You know, only you worry about guys that are 30 years old, they're a little bit run. He, he didn't play last year, and all he did was train last year. And he's got a little chip on his shoulder, and he's got something to prove, which for a guy like him is kind of the best thing in the world. I mean, he was on his way to being Super Bowl MVP before he got hurt, right? He was dominating the Super Bowl. And to, to, to guess he got the Super Bowl ring, but he didn't get to finish that game and hasn't played since, and he has trained, and he is in great shape, and – this guy is, as Bill used to say, an above-the-line player. Like, this guy, when it's one-on-one, that's where you start. Um, this guy wins one-on-one, and he can play in the slot. He can play outside. Uh, but I think what's special about, about this opportunity for him also is he now, once again, has a very, very good quarterback, right? He's got a Pro Bowl quarterback. Yep. But he's not the only guy. He's got a Pro Bowl tight end also. Right, so he's not—he's not just that you focus on him and, and forget about everybody else. He now has both of those two, um, so and and a different offense, which I'm excited to see. Also, an offense that knows how to spread the ball around, knows how to spread people out. Um, it'll be a physical running game as well, but also in the passing game, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for this to be a potential Pro Bowl season um, for this for this young man because even though he's 30. Um, I think he's got fresh legs. Wow. Boy, we like the sounds of that, Coach. You've come a long way in Baltimore. The guys that are lining up from maybe what was at the uh, quarterback and wide receiver position, say, in 2003. Not to be disparaging to anybody, but it's a little <laughs> bit different than what you were working with back in the day. There's no about it. I, I did not have a quarterback that looked anything like yeah. the Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough time around these parts. Um, Coach, really enjoyed this conversation. I happen to know that we both share an affinity for uh, a, a guy from around here named Thomas Booker, who's one of my favorite people. And I remember when he was on with us last year, um, you started tweeting about him. And I was like, man, uh, that was really cool. And uh, I just appreciate the conversation. Would love to catch up with you again. Hope that you're enjoying yourself now that you got a little bit more time to be with you know, your family, your friends, and, and not quite the same stressors, but really enjoyed this. Thanks for copping on with us and having this conversation this morning. That sounds good, man. Thank you all very much, and take care. That's Coach David Shaw, former Stanford coach, and before that, once upon a time, a uh, former Ravens assistant. Appreciate the time he spent with us. Boy, that is uh, – I mean, I hear what he's saying, right? Like that at the point at which Derek Mason had arrived in 05, as good as he was, he was never quite as electric as – Odell Beckham had been, but we saw the impact that Derek Mason had on the Baltimore Ravens. It's hard. That, that almost feels like an unfair standard to set for can Odell Beckham have a similar impact? Well, David Shaw says, I, I think it could be even 
even greater than that. I think it could have an even bigger impact. It's, That's a lot. That's a lot. Expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels Heating, A.C. Plumbing, and Home Performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. All right, it is Tuesday. Every Tuesday, we catch up with our college sports guru, USA Lacrosse Magazine, Washington Post. He is a friend, Mr. Patrick Stevens, and he's back with us this morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well, Glenn. How are you? And how was your weekend? Everything was all right, man. It was uh, it was a lovely weekend. I, you know, it, other than the weather, I don't know what the hell. I, I I've talked to a few coaches around the area. It feels like it has been Murphy's Law as far as the weather's been concerned this spring with lacrosse season. Spring just about every Saturday. Right? Week, right? <laughs> it's just nuts how it's worked out. Like The weather during the week has been wonderful, and then as soon as you get to the weekend and trying to get people out to games, the weather stinks. It's just very unfortunate the way that it's gone. But uh, that being said, here we are. We've reached uh, the final week of the regular season and conference tournaments and Selection Sunday coming up this week. Um, let's start locally. Obviously, you get Hopkins, Maryland, part two, and I think there's every reason to believe that you're going to get on Thursday afternoon probably just as good of a game as you got a couple weeks ago in College Park, right? It's... You hope that, right? You you hope for a game where it's tied like ten different times because uh, that was uh, that was two evenly matched teams, and uh, it felt like a two goal lead was insurmountable because there was only one of them the entire game. Right. Hopkins was up twelve ten, and, right. and Maryland got one of those one of those two goals back, and that was it. So, you know, Hopkins is rested. Uh, he probably had a few guys nicked up over the course of the season, uh, and I am sure, uh, you know, that that, that was a, a well enjoyed uh, week off for Hopkins. No doubt. As for Maryland. You know, not necessarily the prettiest game that they put together, but they kept Rutgers at bay, basically. Uh, they had a nice little stretch defensively there, spanning halftime, kept Rutgers scoreless for more than 21 minutes, uh, and Maryland never trailed in that game, and it was never re- never really seriously threatened. It was 8-5 at halftime, uh, and that great defensive work in the third quarter uh, picked up a couple goals along the way. And really, you know, the final was 14-11, but let's face it, that was more like a, a five- or six-goal type of game against a Rutgers team that just didn't have that much offensive punch as, as Maryland had seen the last couple, the last twice in the last month and a half, month, half month, a couple weeks. Sure. Uh, anyway, um, you know, so Maryland, I'm sure, is going to sit there and say that they need to not commit 19 turnovers on, on Thursday. Uh, so... I don't know about you, but I am all for one and three thirty in the afternoon lacrosse on Thursday. It's wild. That's going to be. It, it, it's a it's a bummer because it's Maryland Hopkins, and so it'll it'll probably have an impact on how many people can get out there, right? Whereas if it were a Thursday night game, I think you could have a a raucous crowd at Homewood Field for it. But I still think that people will go out of their way to try to figure out a way to be over there on Thursday afternoon. To, to Patrick's point, Michigan Penn State at one, then Maryland Hopkins at three thirty on Thursday afternoon in the Big Ten semifinals. What is the reality as far as seeding for those two teams going into this weekend? Yeah, I think that if you squint hard enough, maybe Hopkins could get itself up to the three seed, maybe. Um, but in all likelihood, it feels like those top three ACC teams, Duke, Virginia, Notre Dame, are going to be the top three. Uh I, I would guess that the Big Ten champion will be the four seed, and and that the runner up probably ends up as the five seed. Okay. And if you're if you're Maryland, you probably can get yourself up to the four. I could see Maryland tumbling as as low as seven, 
Uh, they that would be a scenario where Cornell wins the Ivy League and Maryland gets bounced in the first in the semifinals. So uh, I, I think that's possible. But I think both Maryland and Hopkins are, are safely in a situation where they're going to have first round home games. Is there and it wouldn't be surprising. It wouldn't be surprising, just to throw one more thing in there, if one of them plays Saturday and one of them plays Sunday, just to basically make it so TV can put the same crew on both games. Oh, that would make a lot of sense, right? So they can both have one crew work both places since they're going to be in the same location. So I I guess just to stay there, before we get to the rest of the local teams, what else as far as the top teams is still at stake when it comes to seeding going into Sunday? Well, for those top three, Duke is playing Merrimack on Sunday. Notre Dame plays North Carolina. Uh, and I can tell you that you look at the numbers for Duke-Virginia-Notre Dame, uh, who basically engaged in a glorified version of rock-paper-scissors. Like Duke, has, uh, Duke has won 18 consecutive regular season games against Virginia. So Virginia wild. has won six, six games in a row against Notre Dame. And, and Notre Dame has won three games over the last two years against Duke. And so, like, there's... It would, it would have been helpful had had one of those trends broken at some point this season. My guess is is that Duke ends up as the one. And when you look at the RPI, the actual fraction, not just the raw ranking, uh, Duke is clearly number one in that metric. Uh, they do have a loss at Jacksonville. But I, I think they end up as the one. I don't think Virginia gets ahead of Duke at all. And, you know, Virginia now owning a sweep of Notre Dame, um, after having one Sunday down in Charlottesville, uh, I, I think it makes a decent case for Virginia to be the two. You throw in the Hopkins victory that's held up exceptionally well. Yeah. Uh, I think it goes Duke, Virginia, Notre Dame. We just talked about the Big Ten uh, and kind of how I think those three teams, Penn State, Hopkins, Maryland, are, are in the four, five, six range, maybe seven potentially, uh, with Cornell maybe being able to crack into the top six at some he is Patrick Stevens. He is with us here on GCR. Patrick, let's come back locally. Um, I, it seems unlikely. It, it, basically, at this point, it seems impossible that Loyola's got a run in them. But is there a world, starting tonight when Navy hosts Loyola in the Patriot League quarterfinals, is there a world where a Navy team that, save for one game, has played really well down the stretch, could figure out a way to put together three wins over the course of this week? Yeah, I, I think there is, but it, it, it's going to have to be grinded out. Um, and I would tell you that the, that the result that they had that happened over the weekend on Friday with BU getting the one seed was not particularly helpful. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like you almost want to hold that off for as long as possible, possibly dealing with them. Um, and if Navy wins tonight, they're probably going to get BU and their slick attack. Uh, on uh, now, granted, they already beat BU, but I, I feel like that that BU will be ready for them the second time around. You know, facing Army, I think Navy probably would have a little more gas in the tank, certainly more than the last time they saw them. I, I just feel like, as strange as it is, and the way that the the results in the regular season don't conform to what I really believe here, right. that a better matchup for Navy right now is facing Army again rather than facing Boston. That's funny, right? So, <laughs> that is kind of fun. Uh, and I and I, I and understand. I realize what the, what the regular season results were. So, uh, but I, I do think it's possible. It, it's it would help them immensely if uh, if they don't have to have a slugfest tonight. If uh, they get a Loyola team that, that's had some real duds down the stretch, yeah. uh, turn in another one and be able to kind of ease their way into those semifinals. 
And, and then from there, they're probably going to have to win a couple 11-10s and 10 or 10-9 type of games. I mean, this is, it's just not a Navy team that's built to play, you know, shootouts against really good teams. And, and I think BU and Army in particular are both really good. Perhaps the most surprising result of last weekend is Towson defeating Delaware and getting themselves into the CAA tournament. What do we make of that? And a Towson team that has played a, a little bit better is do they now have you got all you gotta do is win two games. Like do they have a chance to do it? Yeah, it's funny. When I was when I was up there for the for when they played Denver, and they didn't play badly after the first quarter against Denver. You know, that game turned out to be fairly tight um in the end. But, you know, what I was saying to some people over there was, well, all Towson really needs right now is two two game winning streaks. You know, right. they needed to they need to go ahead and win their two games right after that, which were against Hampton and Monmouth, and they did. Uh, and then they just happened to win the Delaware game too, which was a which was a nifty bonus. And then they basically needed to win two games in the CAA tournament. Now they get a quick turnaround to go face the exact same team, a team that's going to be angry, uh, a team that obviously wants to get back to the tournament themselves. Uh, but I think if you, if you're if you're Sean Nadalin, you got to be pretty happy with what what you've been able to do of late. And I mean, I think defensively what they've been able to do really since since they got into CAA play has been really impressive. I mean, if we run through the numbers, right, the goals allowed 12-7-13 up at Stony Brook, uh, 8-12, 1 against Hampton, 11, and now 10. Uh, you know, that's sort of what you would expect a Towson team in the shot clock era to be giving up. Uh, and so, you know, they're a, they're a feisty bunch, and, and it's not as if, you know, when you look at the teams that are on the other side of the draw, they have one goal losses to Stony Brook and Drexel. So it's not as if they're sitting there thinking that they can't beat anybody in this field. They're, they've got as good a shot as anybody. I, I do think uh, at the end of the day, Delaware has that nifty attack, and they're probably going to retool a little bit uh, and maybe have a few different answers for Delaware or for Towson. And they also, uh, you know, I think have some veteran pieces on the defensive side anchored by Owen Grant. But, uh, you know, Towson uh, – Towson could very, we could be sitting here this time next week talking about Towson getting ready to play host to a play-in game. It, it would not, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to see that happen. And historically, even though it hasn't necessarily been the case uh, a lot recently, uh, that CAA tournament has a long history of weird things happening. Sure. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe this is when uh, things snap back to normal and, and that thing becomes uh, Thunderdome again. How about that? That would be a that would be a fascinating turn for this team that I think we had mostly written off just a few weeks ago. And then the other story, you know, we talked about them a couple times. Mount St. Mary's in the MAC tournament, where they're the number two seed, they got to play Marist on Thursday. But based on the way you've talked about it, I feel like you feel like they've got about as good of a chance as anybody in that tournament. I mean, I, I mean, you know, first of all, I'm I would be curious to see exactly what Marist does after playing one of the single wackiest Division One games you could possibly I, imagine. What, what, there, it was twenty. What, okay, I, I saw this. It was like fifty goals. Twenty nine nineteen. Wow. Both teams wow. had both teams. Both teams had a guy that took forty eight faceoffs. What the hell? You know, I was <laughs> that game started an hour before Maryland Rutgers, and so as halftime was approaching, I, I just kept chirping. In the press box, Maris scored again. Maris scored again. <laughs> hey, Quinnipiac scored. Like it was. I mean, I mean, the 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 score by quarters looks a little bit like uh, like a football score line. Yeah. If, if you just had, if you basically had an infusion of Iowa, where you got three safeties into the mix, 
Um, so it went it went six it went six five three five for Quinnipiac, seven seven five ten for Merritt. Yeah, that does smell very Iowa football. Like you're hundred percent right about that. Well, forty eight points in an Iowa well, yes, football yeah, game. Yeah, that will never happen, right? Yeah, that, yeah, as a total, I just mean by quarters. The quarters. By, like. but by quarters, it yes, looks right. Yeah. Correct. Um, no, that is wild. That is about as wild of a game as you could ever possibly imagine. Um, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to guess that they're not going to allow 29 goals to Maris. Probably, probably not. I, I think that might've been a one-time only thing, but, uh, but I, I, I am, uh, I, I, I do happen to think that you're looking at, uh, you know, what those Mac tournaments have a way of being pretty wide open as well. Uh, you know, Sienna has beaten both of the top two teams in the league, uh, down the stretch. Maris got them recently. They played a midweek game on ESPNU. I actually got to see some of that game. Wednesday noon lacrosse on TV is not a bad thing. I'm not opposed. Uh, and so, you know, I think Mount St. Mary's has as good a shot as anybody. Obviously, I think you'd probably be rather be Manhattan being at home uh, than anybody else. But uh, that, uh, you know, the winner of that tournament is almost certainly going to be ticketed to go on the road for a play-in game. Likely at the CAA champion, but there's certainly the possibility of a few other teams lurking around out there that might be lower-seeded. Uh, that would end up getting that uh, play-in invitation, if you will. Uh, before we get to our game, Patrick, uh, obviously the huge news this week, Maryland basketball landed the front-court transfer from the Big Ten that everyone was looking for, Jordan Geronimo from Indiana. Uh, is there anything at all that's worth saying about Jordan Geronimo? <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure he's going to be a useful piece. But I mean, he averaged, what, four-and-a-half and two-and-a-half. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a guy that you kind of know – what you're getting, I mean, that might be the Patrick Emelian role, yep. right? Like yep. somebody that you just plug in and say, you're going to play 15 minutes a game, and if you happen to earn more, uh, that's a bonus. Uh, and so, you know, for them, they've, they've traded out Hakeem Hart and Ike Cornish for Chance Stevens and Jordan Geronimo. So uh, that's, uh, that, that's how the portal has worked so far for Maryland, and obviously as well bringing in a, a pretty talented freshman class but, but I think they're going to be leaning on a fair bit as well. Yeah, and obviously everybody, you know, Juju Reese dealt with a, a good bit of foul trouble a year ago, so you just need to have somebody that can give you minutes in certain circumstances that uh, can give you confidence when you have to pull Juju Reese off the floor. So if that's if he can give you five minutes of help in that way, I, 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 that is beneficial to your point and that the Patrick and Miller And, and I, I, I think one of the takeaways that I would have from Willard's first season, and I know this from his time at Seton Hall too, like he's really good at, at having role players fill those types of spots. Yeah, you know, identifying those kind of guys, developing those guy, kind of guys. So. Uh, you know, we can sit here and say, well, Jordan Geronimo might not be uh, might not be a first team All Big Ten guy, uh, but I have a feeling that that's a guy that is going to be useful, May, not not a star, uh, but somebody useful that they look at at the at this time next year and say that guy that guy helped them out. It is time for us to play our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player has played for? Patrick, I begin with someone who was an infielder, just an All Star once, but he was also and I had forgotten this. He was MVP of the NLCS once and was a World Series winner. Four teams for Howie Kendrick. Howie Kendrick. It's funny. We had somebody a couple yes, weeks ago was when we also, started talking about right. NLCS MVPs. Was it, uh, was it David Freeze? Yes, like I, think when it, you started, I think it was. When you I think started it, saying that, you I thought, thought it was somebody I had already done? It was going to be. 
Yeah, hang on. Uh... No, 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 no. We did, we did freeze. No, what I'm saying is, is that I thought when you were doing the lead into that two weeks ago that you were going to see Howie. Oh, Kendrick. okay, all right, so, got it, got it. So we did. So Howie freeze. Kendrick, he was an angel. Yep. He was a Philly. Yep. He was a national. And I do think he had like a stint with the Dodgers, he had right? Two seasons with the Dodgers. Well, of course, if you're going to go four for four that quickly on Howie Kendrick, I don't know what I can possibly give you. I thought this one was the easier of the two, but I'm not going to flip it. Um, this man, I was surprised, only an All Star twice during his career, was a Gold Glove winner and a Silver Slugger winner once. Four teams for the Cuban Joanna Cespedes. Cespedes was with Oakland. Yes. And he was in New York, of course, the Mets. And he was he was um, in Detroit for a minute, right? He was right? in Detroit, yes. And then that leaves us with one other spot he for Cespedes. He was a deadline acquisition of a team in 2014 before he went to Detroit in 2015. A 2014 deadline acquisition of Oakland from from Oakland from to Oakland somebody, to right? someone, yes. And then he went to Detroit and then on to the Mets. Um, Cespedes, that Oakland deal was they got a pitcher out of it, right? Mm, sure they did. A, they, a, they, a pitcher they I really sure did. I really wanted in Baltimore, too. Uh, was, it, was that the Lester deal? Indeed and it was. Boston? That's correct. Well done, sir. Well done. That was the deal. I remember Luke Jones and I were doing a show at that point when that news came in, and I was beside myself. Because that was, of course, the Orioles team that had the best chance of uh, doing something. Sadly, uh, some injuries and suspensions played a role in their ultimate downfall. Well done, my friend. Uh, I imagine you're going to be in Annapolis tonight. And what's the rest of the week look Annap- like? An- Annapolis tonight in the Big Ten tournament on Thursday and Saturday. Very good. At Discourse, D1S Course, USA Lacrosse Magazine, as always, where you find him. Patrick Stevens, appreciate you, my friend. We'll talk tournament next Tuesday. Awesome, Glenn. You take care. Thanks, buddy. Patrick Stevens with us here on GCR getting ready. I, I don't know why I remember that show. I remember that moment and that trade going down so well. When Cespedes, I could not. I was I had so, no recollection of Cespedes in a Boston I was so uniform. heartbroken because I was so desirous of Lester in Baltimore. And I, I, I get it. It wasn't going to happen. Like, I understand that in hindsight. What moves did we make that year? In 2014, they made some, I believe that was. was Steve? No, Steve Pierce was there the whole year, right? No, I think Steve Pierce was there the whole year. I want to say 2014 would have been when they like brought in Kelly Johnson, and and you laugh, but somebody got hurt. God, now it's going to drive me nuts. 2014, only nine Warriors. years removed, and it's hard yeah. for me to remember all, everything that mattered. Um, during the year, I don't know why they don't list in season in season transactions. Um, no, Steve Pierce they released at one point, but then re-signed. They uh, traded for oh Andrew Miller that was the big right one. Andrew Miller Andrew Miller yes. was their big acquisition who of course worked out brilliantly I mean Andrew Miller was awesome uh, after they acquired him uh, of course they had to give up Eduardo Rodriguez who as it turns out was pretty good but that's one of those like I can't be mad about it because Andrew Miller was everything they could have yeah. possibly asked for in that deal. What I'm frustrated about was the decisions they made after 2014 where they had three free agents and they just said, y'all can go. <laughs> and those three free agents were Andrew Miller, Nick Markakis, and Nelson Cruz. And they all had many good years ahead of them. All of them. 
were very valuable pieces were afterwards. It was frustrating. But yes, Alejandro de Aza and Kelly Johnson were the other players. Nick Hundley as well. Uh, but that that wasn't a deadline thing. Yeah, it wasn't that a deadline was thing, just a, he was, a, a he was trade important. for the sake of trade. I mean, he was a backup catcher. He was fine. He had a couple moments. Um, but no, they were after the deadline when they were dealing with injuries, when they were dealing with like Machado getting hurt and right. Chris Davis, uh, the suspension. They, remember, that was when you used to have two different trade deadlines. You had the July 31st trade deadline, and then you had the, the August waivers. 31st. Yeah, the, the, the waiver, waiver trade. Yeah, or. correct. Um, and they acquired Kelly Johnson and Deaza. And Johnson in particular, I remember being like way more helpful than I thought he could be at that point. I was like, hmm, this guy actually ended up being a, a decent piece. But yeah, I really wanted Lester. I really wanted him. I was yeah. so mad about that. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm totally over it now, as you can tell. I'm still <laughs> not thinking about it whatsoever. Now I'm like, no big deal. Totally fine the way that it worked out. I'm trying to go back and look at what that trade was. The trade was, was Michael Almanzar also came over to Baltimore. The Red Sox got Jamal. Oh no, no, no. I, I meant the the yeah the Cespedes trade. Oh, the Cespedes, Cespedes to the Red Sox in exchange for Lester and Johnny Gomes Johnny was Gomes. the deal. That was the deal. <sighs> it's what it is. It's what it is. All right, uh, hour number one of today's show is in the book. Still a lot to do on the program today. Speaking of, uh, we're going to get some more baseball talk. The Orioles open up a series in Kansas City tonight. Again, you would like to make sure you go ahead and win those games. Don't stub your toe here ahead of the schedule getting a bit more difficult. If you haven't looked ahead, it starts this weekend down in Atlanta, but the next few weeks are a far more difficult stretch for the Birds than the previous few weeks had been. They go from Atlanta this weekend to coming back home to face the Rays next week. A Pirates team after that that so we the all... two best teams in baseball. I mean, that's the reality. <laughs> like, you can joke about it, but, like, the Pirates have been really good. And I, I don't know if the bottom's going to fall out at some point or not, but at the moment, the Pirates, before the season, clearly that wasn't a series that you were circling on the calendar, but right now... It's two of the five best teams in baseball that are slated to get together in Baltimore, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Um, then you have the Angels, and I get it. Like, you kind of snicker about it, but it's still Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and all those guys. Uh, and then you go to Toronto, and then you go to New York. Next three weeks, really brutal. Win these games. Don't screw up over the course of the next three days because it's going to get a whole lot tougher in the coming weeks. Um, we're going to talk to Jordan Westberg in just a minute uh, as we make our first trip to Norfolk of the season. Orioles going to open up the series night in Kansas City, 740, because it's central time. Tyler Wells on the mound against Ryan Yarbrough to open up the series. When we come back in, we will chat with the aforementioned Jordan Westberg. That's on the way. Uh, speaking of trips to the minors, don't forget you can take a trip to the minors because... PressBox is offering you the chance to win four tickets to all of the local minor league baseball teams, plus a Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older in order to enter, and the sweepstakes ends June 14th. Get over to PressBoxOnline.com contests right now in order to sign up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grinder? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. On second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Back in here on GCR as we continue along here on a Tuesday edition of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, where right now you can always get the best offers and incentives for signing up for sports betting. Like, if you go there, you can click on the PointsBet logo and get five second-chance bets at PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. Again, just go to PressBoxOnline.com offers right now in order to claim this incentive and many more. All right, um, just a couple of things here before we chat with Jordan Westberg and make our trip down to Norfolk. One from Dave. Dave says, Glenn, do we have any idea at this point when Dylan Tate and Michael Givens are going to be ready? I feel like we've been talking about it for two weeks. It's funny you say that because I hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> like we Remember, the, this conversation began not this past weekend, but the weekend before that because that was when um, they kind of showed up in the clubhouse and... 
Brandon Hyde started talking about them going on a rehab assignment. I don't know that either one of them has has either one of them. Givens pit? is at Double A right there now. He's in Bowie. Now. Um, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if he's pitched yet. Hang on, Tate. But apparently, he arrived Friday or Saturday. Tate apparently pitched with Aberdeen and with Bowie as well. I'm trying to pull up the game log for when it was. So Tate pitched on the 25th and the 27th. So Tate has made two uh, appearances. And Michael Givens has. Let's see if I can't beat you. Yeah, right. This is this is listen to guys look at the <laughs> internet radio. It's it's captivating. It's enthralling. Listen. Yeah, he went to in the scoreless uh, inning uh, with one strike on on the 29th. Yes. Okay. So, the, I think the word was they wanted to get these guys back to backs so that it could be five or six games. So it smells like maybe this weekend would be the earliest that you would see. Either Tate or Givens, and it might not be until next week for those guys. So you still have time to try to make some of these decisions and to try to work something out. It doesn't appear as though they're in a rush to kick Dean Kramer out of the rotation, or at least they're not saying it. However, it's worth noting, there's a big old TBD on Thursday. So Wells is announced for tonight. Gibson is announced for Wednesday. Kramer would then come up because he started the first game on Saturday and Grayson started the second game on Saturday. So that was a flip-flop because Grayson would have pitched Friday. Instead, he ended up pitching Saturday night. So maybe the plan was to go back to the normal rotation and have Grayson pitch on Friday, and now it's just a question of whether they want to skip him. I don't know exactly what the thought process is there, but based on the actual turn in the order... It would be Kramer now because he started the first game on Saturday. It would be his turn to pitch on fr- on Thursday. And that would be on normal rest because the Orioles had the off day on Monday. And yet there's TBD right now for the Orioles as far as Thursday is concerned. So that could just be a debate between Grayson and Kramer. Or perhaps they are having some of the thoughts that I think they should be having. And I was talking about on yesterday's show about Dean Kramer and his spot in the rotation right now. Don't know, but it's just interesting. Maybe we'll get some clarity on that from Brandon Hyde uh, before tonight's game when he meets with the media about Did, where they're They don't at. have any more moves to – yeah, they don't have to make any moves, right? No, because they just returned. D.L. Hall was only up okay. for the, um, the right. doubleheader because you get to add a 27th player to the roster for a doubleheader. So he was only up for that and as soon as that game was over. He was returned. That doesn't count as an option or anything like that. It's just a – Sort one of a, day thing. a workaround yeah. because of the doubleheader. And right, it makes sense. Right. So you should have a rule like that because you you might have to use more pitchers on a day like that. So they allow you the opportunity to have one more to use. So again, we'll have to maintain we'll see. We don't I, I, I don't I don't know on either account. I still don't know. I think we're all still working under the assumption that Keegan Aiken is not going to be on this team once Tate and Givens are here unless two other guys get hurt in that time frame. I think we're all working under the assumption that Keegan Aiken is going to be gone. The question is, who else will be? And are they thinking creatively? Like I said, are they thinking like, hey, if we're not comfortable with Kramer right now, maybe we try to let Bauman make a start and you know see how that goes, so we don't have to send him back down. But I, I don't, I don't love that. I am, I, I don't want to mess with it. It's with something's working. I'm opposed to messing with it. Uh, but we should get those answers in the next couple of. I say the next couple of days, at least within the course of the next week. We'll get the answer, obviously, starting Thursday before that, and then the answers on uh, Tate and Givens and who goes in favor of them over the course of the next week.
week. All right. Uh, it's time for us to make our first trip to Norfolk this season. Uh, Norfolk, as they say. I know that's the correct way for the locals to say it. Uh, joining us now, a man who's off to a fantastic start. He's hitting 325. He is OPSing 927. All is good for one of the Orioles' top infield prospects. It's always a pleasure to welcome back to the program Jordan Westberg, who's with us now here on GCR. Jordan, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up, man. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Glenn. It's great to chat with you, dude. How good you feeling right now, right? Like, you're off to a great start. It's an exciting time to be in the Orioles organization. Like, I feel like it's got to be a good time to be Jordan Westberg. Yeah, I think it's more importantly um, a good time to be just Baltimore Oriole. Um, it's exciting to see the, the big league club off to such a good start. Um, we're off to a great start here in Norfolk. So um, there's some exciting baseball being played around the organization right now. Uh, Jordan, the big thing that's jumped out for me with you this season is it feels like there's been maybe a little bit more third base. And I know that you had played some third base before, but it seems like it's been more 50-50. Can you kind of walk me through, obviously your deal is you kind of played everywhere, right? And we know there is not an easy answer as to where the needs are going to be. But can you walk me through like how, how they talk to you about what you're going to be doing this season and and is it as much third base as it feels like it is on the outside? Um, yeah, no, I there hasn't been a ton of dialogue other than that. Um, they told me I'm going to be playing everywhere, kind of like yeah. what you just said. Um, I'm going to have opportunities at um, all three, if not four, infield positions and possibly two outfield positions while I'm here in Norfolk. So um, for me. Um, it doesn't feel like I'm playing that much third base as in comparison to other uh, positions. Now, I haven't seen the splits of, of games, and um, I don't try to pay too much attention to that. But right. um, all, all I'm focused on is just making sure that wherever I'm at in the lineup that day, I, I'm getting my work in there. I'm, I'm uh, making sure I, I'm challenging myself to feel comfortable over there, especially now that playing a little bit of outfield, like that's completely new for me. It, it, it keeps the game from getting monotonous. It's definitely a new challenge for me and something I'm looking forward to. Can I ask, you know, there it's brought up a lot of times that when guys have to move from position to position and have to focus on different things, that sometimes there's this belief that it can have an impact on what you're doing at the plate because you're not able to focus as much over there. You clearly have not had that issue. You have been moving around from position to position and yet swinging the bat comfortably. Do, do we make too much of that idea, that concept, that it's difficult, or are you just so bloody awesome that you're able to overcome that and be able to produce at the same time? Uh, I mean, you said it, not me, but um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I do think that if player lets um, – Maybe this preconceived notion of bouncing around or not being in one spot affect him mentally. Then yes, of course it's going to affect um, what he does at the plate. But uh, for me, all I view it as is just an opportunity to to challenge myself in different spots, um, to to push myself. It kind of keeps me focused and locked in. I think um, because you know it, it's almost impo- impossible to feel comfortable, fully comfortable at you know, four, five, six different positions. So um, in order for me to 
to play my best, I have to I have to be locked in. I have to be focused. I have to uh, be diligent about my work and really concentrate on what I'm doing. And I just think that that focus then carries over to the offensive side of the game. What were the, the you know? It's funny because a year ago we we see this kind of crazy power from you as the season goes on. Did you find yourself saying, "Hey, this this is kind of who I always thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to be a power bat." Or did you have the focus of, hey, the power is great and it can be there, but I want to make sure that I'm getting on base more frequently. I want to make sure that my complete bat – like what was the focus after such an explosive power season a year ago? Um, I've always known that the power is in there. I mean, I feel like I know myself better than anybody and that I trust that – I've always trusted that the power is going to come out. Um, I just think that – becoming more of a well-rounded hitter, um, helped me. Um, you know, I, my first year I was a little, maybe a tick higher as batting average, a little bit less power than mm-hmm. the next year, way more power, tick less average. Um, and it's just, it's, you're always learning. Um, there's, there's ups and downs in baseball. You know, the average is going to, it's going to go up. It's going to go down. Um, I'm not too worried about, you know, where it falls at the end of the day. I, I kind of have a feeling of, um, the type of hitter I am. Um, I, all I try to focus on is just sharpening my approach against, um, different guys or, um, you know, learning from, uh, failures that I've had in the box versus different types of pitches or different types of arms. I, all I focus about is just learning. If I feel like I'm learning, then I feel like the numbers will take care of themselves. I, I definitely trust in my abilities. I kind of know or think I know who I am as a hitter and, um, I'm just gonna let the numbers be where they be where they're at at the end of the year, you know. I, I think what you said is is in, intriguing to me though. Like it's it didn't surprise you. You always assumed that you were going to be this type of power bat at some point. Right. I I just I have confidence in in my abilities. Um, yeah. I I don't let that over overtake who I am. I I, I still try to play the game in a, in a humble, gritty type of way, but that I definitely believe in myself. Um, and I, I think that's important in the game of baseball. I, I don't disagree with that, by the way. Yeah. I think it's important. Probably not in every spot. Jordan, this is a funny – years upon years ago, one time when Joe Flacco was the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, he did a show with me, and his agent had said something like, I think Joe's a top-five quarterback. So I said, hey, Joe, your agent says he thinks you're a top-five quarterback, and he said, well, I think I'm the best quarterback. And it got all this play, and it got all this you know, criticism all over the world, and I just kept saying, like, I, it was a dumb – what is he supposed to say? <laughs> like, right, no, yeah, I don't think I'm supposed, good. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Is he supposed to say, you know, I, oh, I'm – I think I'm the bottom five quarterback, you know, like that, that just, that just breeds in, you know, insecurity within yourself. And all of a sudden your play dips and you're like, Oh, I wonder why, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Jordan Westberg is with us here on GCR. The tides are home this week. Uh, Tonight, they open up a series against the Durham Bulls, $2 Tuesday with $2 popcorn and beer. And if you're headed down that way this weekend, they've got a pint glass giveaway, which looks awesome. A huge Cinco de Mayo celebration on Friday night. Fireworks on Saturday. So much going on with the tides. Great time to be down there. And the Oriole Bird is making a visit on Sunday as well. Uh, Jordan, you brought up like, how good it feels to be in this organization right now. C- can you possibly put that into words? And I don't know when maybe you started to see it all coming. Like, Can you, these last couple of years, define 
like the moment that you realized, oh my God, there is really something special happening here right now. Um, I don't know if I can put it into one moment. Um, I've had, this is going to be my third full year with the organization. Um, and over the course of those three or three and a half years, I think it's just kind of, you know, you, we look at it as like a, a, like on a graph, they're just like that steady incline, right? Mm -hmm. The excitement, you know, you look around and there's so much talent, right? Um, and the organization just keeps adding talent every single year. And whether you're, you know, when I was at Instructs or spring training or, you know, my first full season last year, this season, it just seems to me like there's just, there's this incline that keeps going and it's an incline of excitement. It's an incline of um, playing good baseball, of win playing winning baseball. And now all of a sudden we're at this point where we can value winning above all else, which is something that I'm sure Orioles fans – you know, four or five years ago, just never even imagined possible. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know if I can put my put words into you know one exact moment, but it just seems to me like there's just been a steady growth of excitement, of of good play, and of winning now over the last couple of years. And yeah, it's just a, it's just an awesome time. I mean, we're seeing it down in AAA, we're seeing it in Double A, High A, Low A. Um, there's talent everywhere. There's winning everywhere. There's guys who are fired up and and ready to make impacts everywhere. Is it is there any flip side to it? Like you know, I, I bring it up. There's an awful lot of infield talent, right? And you know that it's overwhelming. Um, you know, Joey was up a week ago. Now he's back with you guys, and and Norby's there, and Gunner's up here, and there's still more guys to come. Prieto, Jackson, Holiday. What are the, is does it become competitive at all? Like, hey, we know there's only so many spots to be had, and and does it create any like nervousness? Any, uh, you know, God, I hope you know, given everything I've been through and have, the work that we've done, that you hope that you don't find out that somebody's about to be dealt because there's there's so many of you guys at this point. Yeah, I'm, the the realistic um, scenario. Um, for the situation is that there's, there's only so many spots, right? Right. So, and baseball is a business and business is going to keep, is going to keep happening no matter, no matter what. So it's, it's a very much a possibility that people are dealt, um, that, that things don't work out for guys that opportunities come and go. Um, and I feel like if any of us, you know, myself, um, Joey, Norby, Jackson, Prieto, guys that are down here, let that um, overwhelm us. Uh, our play is going to get affected. Our, yep. our ability to be good teammates, to be um, functioning good people off the field is then going to be affected. And for me, that's never um, as important. You know, the, my, my, stress about trying to be a big leader is never going to be as important as my stress about, um, am I going to be a good person? Am I, am I right. going to be a good, a husband, a yep. son, a brother, um, a teammate. And so I try to never think about it like that. Like I said, I, I trust in my abilities. Um, I'm going to continue to play the game hard and, you know, I would like to think that I'm good enough to be a professional baseball player, whether that's for the Orioles who, well, I come up with and, and could really 
enjoy playing in Baltimore or whether it's for somebody else, you know, just because that's how the cards are dealt. Um, there's just this, this un, unknown that a lot of us baseball players can, uh, can go down in like a rabbit hole and, and kind of lose ourselves. So I try not to, to focus on any of that. Um, like I said, I think it's, it's just an exciting time. I think for all of us, we can only be where our feet are and um, just continue to push, continue to grind, continue to try to do everything we can to help the organization we're in. And um, whatever happens is going to happen. It, it took everything in me not to laugh when you say, I think I can be a professional baseball player. I think we have that <laughs> answer, bro. I think we know the answer to that question, that you're going to be just all right in that. You mentioned in there uh, the word husband. Uh, I saw you got married. Um, give me the run. First of all, best wedding present you guys got was what? Oh, um, I think I, uh, I don't, man, I have my favorite wedding present. Yeah, that my that's wife what has understand. Her, understand. Her my, my, when I got married again, this is, you know, 10 years ago or whatever it was. Uh, my, my wife's uncles got us a grill and she didn't care at all. But it was I didn't even I don't I couldn't even name one other gift that we got for our wedding. I couldn't tell you anything else anyone got us other than this beautiful grill that I still have a decade later and it still works beautifully for me and has made me happier than anything could ask for. And she might not even name it. She might not even remember that it was a wedding gift. <laughs> there you go. Well, then you that's a pretty dang good gift then. If it's lasted you this long and you're yes. still gushing over it. That's yes. what that's what it's all about. What about so? What do you? What was yours? Not hers. Um, what was yours? Man, I'm trying to think if there's anything that's nothing like a grill. That's for sure. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have one. Um, I was pretty grateful for everything we got, just because <clears throat> I moved um, to a, into an apartment, a new, brand new place um, in Mississippi. I'd never lived there before. I was kind of just starting from scratch. Oh and wow! We, yeah, and we got a we got a lot of things to help. Um, kind of furnish the apartment and, and make it feel like home. So I think I'm just, I don't have one gift. I'm grateful for for everything that we got because uh, I can, well it said. can make our home feel like a home. You know? well, well said. How did you handle, I've asked a few guys about this. How did you handle the politics of who you invite, who you don't invite? Like, I, it's very difficult when you're on a baseball team. Like, how do you handle all of that? And did you have anyone, and you don't have to name a name, but did you have anyone that was particularly upset about not getting an invite to the wedding? I don't think I upset anybody okay. too bad. Well um, done. Well done. We, yeah. Yeah. We, my wife and I decided to, you know, try to keep it a little bit smaller. Um, we're both, you know, fairly private people. Uh, we don't have a huge posses or anything. So, uh, it wasn't too hard, um, just close friends and family, and it was definitely a special and fun day. That's awesome, man. I'm happy for you. Congratulations is probably how I should have started that sentence. Congratulations. That's awesome, man. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. Thank you. And congratulations on everything that you've been accomplishing. We can't wait to see uh, the next step as uh, we take that up to Baltimore. Of course, you can follow Jordan on uh, Instagram at Jordan underscore CW21, as well as on Twitter at the very same location. Jordan Westberg, I don't know what else to say. Just uh, may it continue this way for the next 20 years here at the Baltimore Orioles. May it be nothing but uh, more of this, man. Thank you for taking the time for us as always, dude, and look forward to chatting with you again real soon, all right? Yeah, thank you, Glenn. Great chatting. Appreciate you, man. Jordan Westberg with us here on GCR. Um, You know, we, we talk about it, right? Like, at some point, 
it's all going to come to a head. It is a great problem to have. Let me make that abundantly clear. I, it, it's, it's almost hilarious to me talking about the Orioles having too many quality infielders. I, I laugh about that because there was a time not that long ago when you had to squint to think that anybody was a prospect, a legitimate prospect within the system. Now, it's a problem. Now, it's the guy playing shortstop right now is maybe the MVP of the league. And you have Gunnar Henderson, and you have Joey Ortiz, and you have Connor Norby, and you have Jordan Westberg, and you have Jackson Holiday, and you have Cesar Prieto. Like, it's hilarious to me that this is a problem that you're dealing with. For the record, it's it's seven so far this season. He has played seven games at short and seven games at third base, which is a little bit more as he was talking about the splits. He doesn't want to pay too much attention to it. Don't blame him. Last year it was fifty-four games at short, forty games at second, and thirty-seven games at third base. So it's been a little bit more even between short and third um, this season. Is that because the Orioles are thinking about moving Mateo and Henderson's going to be the shortstop, and so the spot that's going to be available is third base? I don't know. I don't have that answer, but it is at least so far. And it also could be that, that those numbers are working itself out and that a month from now, you know, he's played just as much shortstop as he's played, or played more shortstop than he's played third base significantly. But... Right now, it's a little bit more percentage-wise at third this season than it had been in the last couple of years. The year before that, it was like 36 games at short, or 36 games at third, 69 games at short. So it's been a steady diet of more third base for Jordan Westberg. And I don't know if that's about Gunner. I don't know if that's about where they think Jordan Westberg is best suited. I, I don't have those answers. Although if you're thinking about him as a trade piece, you would think that you want to have him play as much short Right. As possible. Yeah. Like the guy to make some the way to to show value significantly is to have them be an everyday high level shortstop is the best way to show someone's value. I guess the way they're treating it is just, you know, these guys are, are Orioles at the moment. So I guess that's the way they treat it. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Which I don't know if that's the best thing to do at this point. I, it's it's tough, right? Like yeah. it's it's tough because you you don't know the answers either. It's it's a great problem to have. It is. But it is a problem to have, right? Like, you you are going to have to solve it at some point. You're, this is one of those... Uh, I remember... It's so funny looking back on it. I wrote this. Remember uh, the year that the Ravens had to choose between Justin Tucker and Billy Condiff? Yes. And the truth was that other than one kick, this Billy was Condiff... Com- this was coming off of that This was coming AFC off the miss. Right. But okay. other than that kick, Billy Condiff had been Great. really good. <laughs> really good. But the one miss was really overwhelming. And then this kid that you know nothing about, that was an undrafted free agent, is is really impressive in training camp, but it's training camp. And the preseason. And that doesn't mean anything. And at the time, there was no way for us to have any clue that Justin Tucker was Justin, Justin Tucker. Tucker. He was just a guy. And I remember like the dumbest conversation I think I've ever had. I compared it to my 13th birthday party. <laughs> And people, I, this is one of my favorite, of all the things I've ever written in my life, I swear to God, I got more feedback about this stupid column where I said, you you want there to be a way around this. You don't want to have to make this decision. 
because Billy Cundiff has been a solid kicker for you post Matt Stover other than one kick. He's been really good. And you you were trying to win a Super Bowl that year, and you didn't want to put yourself in a position where you turned it over to some rookie who was completely unprepared for the moment, and now you're just picking up some guy off the scrap heap when you get to November. So in your world, you wanted to figure out if there was a way, can we do that? Can we, can we Kari Vedvik someone? You know what I mean? Like, can we trade him for a fourth? (laughs) Or can we keep him around somehow? Like, you didn't want him to, you know, get into a terrible accident. But like, is there some way that like we can say, oh, dude, sorry, your leg hurts, but you're gonna go on IR for a because you can't give two roster spots to kickers. You can't put together a football team with two roster spots being taken by kickers. You had to make a decision. It was awkward. And when I was 13, my parents told me we're going. The ESPN zone had just opened up in Baltimore, and everybody was freaking out about it. And my parents said, "This is the first time you get to go to the ESPN zone." What? What? My 13th birthday party. But here's the trade-off. There can't be a trade-off here. The, the ESPN trade-off zone. is you can only invite four friends. Four. Now you know when you're 13, you don't just have four friends. You don't have like a solid core of four. You got it's all over the place, <laughs> and like Andrew invited me to his birthday party. Like his his dad's got a uh, enough room for us to play paintball in the backyard. Like I don't want to miss his birthday party if I don't yeah. invite him. Like it's the most all the politicking at thirteen so, years old. So now you're trying to do the math. Like now you're trying to go back to mom and dad and say, well, if I invite Andy, I've got to invite Ryan. They're they're step brothers. <laughs> like I got to be able to have five. And your parents say, no, <laughs> got to have four, no more. Th- this is the way that I feel this day. Like, it's awkward. You can't ignore it. What he brought up is very real. Jordan Westberg has to think about the possibility that it might not be in Baltimore because it's not a guarantee that there's going to be a spot for him. And because the Orioles at some point are going to dip into what they have in order to try to improve the areas where they don't have as much. So... It is uncomfortable. It's there's no way of getting around it. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. It's all of those things. But I still contend it's a good problem. To, it's a far better problem to have than only having one <laughs> that may or may not work out. When we were like, who are we calling up to play second base? And there's no one. Correct. There's no one. <laughs> like we're gonna sign Freddie Bynum off the street <laughs> because that's where it is. It's a good problem to have. Appreciate uh, Jordan Westberg. That was a fun conversation. All right, uh, when we come back in, why don't we talk to Pat Ricard, and then we'll get a tidbit and tube to wrap things up for the day. How about that? Pat Ricard, Baltimore Ravens, Pro Bowl fullback, joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. 
Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex. 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The national championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Print issue of Press Box is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box, you can read it. PressBoxOnline.com. It is our issue sort of celebrating what still is there in the pipeline for the Baltimore Orioles, the illustration of Jackson Holiday on the cover. But it's a lot more than that. We're just talking to Jordan Westberg. He's part of it. Despite the fact that Gunner and Adley and Grayson have all made it to Baltimore, there is still an awful lot on the way throughout the system. And you can check it all out in the print issue of PressBox. And while you're thinking about it, get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contests and register to win your chance to get four tickets to all of the area's minor league baseball teams, plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older to enter. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. Had to do it a little bit earlier on because of his schedule in the building as they are uh, putting in some work, but an opportunity to catch up with our buddy Pat Ricard here on GCR. Always appreciate the opportunity to catch up with our next guest here on GCR. I tried to add Pineapple Pat to his list of nicknames, but he was opposed to that one despite the fact that he does like a good American support pineapple on pizza. He is, of course, Project Pat, Pancake Pat, our buddy Pat Ricard, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing well, man. You know, I think you can call me anything. You know, Pineapple Pat, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the nicknames, they'll keep coming. They'll keep coming. But I, uh, I'm doing good, man. Enjoying the offseason. Been back in the building the last couple of weeks, just learning a new offense and just, you know, being around the guys again. All right. I, before we get to the other stuff that doesn't matter nearly as much, I have stuff that I've wanted to deal with with you that I've seen pop up on social media the last couple of weeks. So can we go through a couple okay. of things? Um, the first yeah, sure. is I, I now have, and you met them last year at uh, Project Runway, I've got an 8-year-old and a 5-year-old, and they are obsessed with Pokemon, and I, I, can't, it's like, I can't even talk the language with them. 
Like they come in and they're like, which one do you like better? Snicka, you know, Snoofaduku. And I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I don't even know how any of this works. I, I am a dinosaur. I'm 40 years old. How can I possibly bridge the gap? I'm never going to be able to fully get into it. Like it's, I'm too far past that. There's no way. How can I bridge the gap yeah. to just know enough to be able to be involved a, in the conversation? Yeah. I mean, you know, I grew up with it. You know, it came out in the late 90s, and I grew up playing, you know, all my Game Boys throughout the years, just kind of continuing with it. I mean, there's a lot of Pokemon nowadays, and it's really cool to hear that your, you know, young children are loving loving the hobby and just everything about Pokemon because it's super cool, and so many people can, uh, you know, relate and, just get into the hobby and you know so many different ways either the tv show the video game collecting cards so you know whatever they're into you know if they love playing the video games or watching the tv shows or the cards like it's maybe it's just the try to like slowly get in that way with them so, so it's it's mostly it the, with them and learn with them it's the cards but i don't really understand like what is what is the game like do, do i put out a card and you put out a card and whoever's got more like power on their card win like how does right. it work right so i actually don't even play the card game. i just collect the cards so like i don't even know how to play i have no idea but like i know there's you know there's plenty of youtube videos you can watch and like just different things but yeah that's uh i'm not really sure about you know playing them i'm just i'm just into collecting just the really cool cards and they actually have you know certain cards that have pretty good value nowadays and just a cool little hobby to get into it's more of the nostalgia and just kind of like the buzz of, you know, they it's all like ongoing. It's constantly there's constantly between new cards and a lot of content nowadays with YouTubers and stuff. So it's just been a lot of fun. What, actually, my wife is my wife's been doing it with me. So like okay, we that's cool. We'll like rip packs together and try to get like the best pulls and stuff. So the, the card, been, you know, a lot of fun. The one that Logan Paul has, it's worth like three million dollars or whatever. Like it, it you uh-huh. can't. It, there's not one of those that can be had, like because they get that's all they ask for for like oh. their birthday and Christmas, right? Like there's no, they're not gonna pull one out of those packs that's gonna be worth that much, is are they? No. Okay. All right. There no, we. no, no. That's that's like a vintage, like super old, like okay. Charizard that's right. like in like the best possible condition. So that's why it's so valuable. Okay. But no, there are there are some cards you can get that are worth like a couple hundred dollars. Man, okay. Well, maybe I maybe that's the part that I should be investing in. Maybe I should just right. keep telling them we'll get more cards and go that route. And even if I don't understand that, I can understand the part where there's some value to it. Um, I saw that you uh, you responded to a tweet a couple weeks ago that asked what your first ever gamer tag was, and <laughs> you you shared the name the fluff. Yeah. What is that? Where did that come from? I need to know everything. Okay, okay, okay. So, appreciate you bringing this up because, you know, I thought I was going to get a little more buzz just because the name is so it's perfect, unique. Yeah. yeah. You know, people were, okay, so, is back when um, I was playing Xbox 360, so it was like, I don't know, I'm in like junior high or high school. And um, back then, I, you know, my hair was kind of long. I didn't really care too much about how my hair looked, you know, just being a young kid and stuff. And my good friend used to go over his house and play Xbox all the time because I didn't have an Xbox at this point. And, his mom called me fluff or the fluff like fluffy because my hair was so curly and so long so whenever you know i was always over there playing on their xbox and i eventually made my own xbox name and i changed it to 
made it the fluff, and then I put a little X after it because I thought it was like clever. I don't know. So it was like the fluff X, and it's kind of like my OG kind of name. Why have we never seen the return of this look, Pat Ricard? Please tell me. <laughs> I would really like to see this look again at some point. No, that's 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 gone. In the it's past. in the that's, past. That's gone. It's, it's the old, yeah. the old me's dead and gone. There's just no way we're going no. back to the fluff, man. That is a there. shame. <laughs> that is a shame, though. All right, he is Pat Ricard, of course, four-time Pro Bowler for your Baltimore Ravens with us here on GCR. Um, dude, I, you know, I, I could sense it from everybody that I've talked to, but I, you you were kind of riding along with all of us as this was going on, and at, every time there was a little bit of news related to, Mar, to Lamar, everybody was freaking out in this city. What did it mean to you guys? Just maybe the totality of the last couple of weeks when the Odell news came out to now this can you put into words what it did for everybody on this team, whether it's relief or excitement, jubilation, whatever it is, to know that you got your guy? Yeah, I think it's just uh, – I don't think one word can really express the emotions of when Lamar finally signed his big deal. I think it's just – you know, I think it's everything you said. It's just kind of a relief of knowing, okay, we got him. Like, he's here to stay. Excitement of, like, oh, my gosh, like, he's – you know, next the quarterback here for the next five years and what he brings to the city, the team organization. And, you know, it's been just such an ongoing process. And um, you just really, really love to see that, you know, both sides were able to come to an agreement because it's, I think it's just, it's good for everybody. You know, you didn't want to see this to get any uglier or messier than it already did. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think everything's going to be smooth going forward between everyone. I think everyone's happy. And, you know, there's so many great things that are happening leading up into the signing. So it was just kind of like the cherry on top of everything that's gone down with, you know, the improving with the coaches and players and just everything that's been happening with the team. It's just like now I really feel now with Lamar back, we're definitely a Super Bowl contender with all the other moves that's happened. So it's definitely, um, you know, just a mix of emotions, all good no, maybe some bad for some people, but not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I can't imagine. Um, it, you know, Pat, it's so funny you bring that up too because, like, I, I know that if it hadn't worked out that way, you were going to show up and you were going to do your job and, you know, you were going to support whoever it is that was going to be playing quarterback. Like, I understand this is a business. That's the way that it goes. But I, I kind of appreciate the reflection of what you just said. Like, dude, this is what makes us feel like we can go – like this is there's a real genuine difference here. It's not in between all of the lip service that everybody has to give, but this is real that the presence of this dude genuinely makes us feel like okay, if he's here we can win a Super Bowl. Absolutely. I mean, you don't win an MVP in your second year if you aren't a Super Bowl contender whenever you're healthy and playing. Like that's just what he brings and just Oh man, he's just special, special talent. He's one of a kind and you just you're so happy and grateful to have him on your team and you know, truly I really think he he can win a Super Bowl every year if, you know, if the stars align and everything works out. He's just that special of a player. Uh, I'm sure there was at some point and I know I think you and I have talked before that you try to avoid a lot of the noise and a lot of the, the dumb shows on TV and all that sort of stuff. But was there ever a time you heard somebody say something like 
you know, th- these guys might not even want him around, right? Like, he wasn't even there for them in the plot. Did you ever hear anything like that yeah. and just genuinely, like, start laughing and say to yourself, you have no effing clue what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's just all outside noise, just speculation or what people would assume or whatever. But, like, they don't. no one really knows what's the vibe or what's being said inside the building. Yeah. And I think that's all that really matters is how the players feel, the coaches feel, and everyone in that building. And, you know, I think we all we all had Lamar's back. We all wanted him back. We all we all understood his circumstances, and we all just want the best for him. You know, it's at the end of the day, we're a team, so it's not just one guy. You know, it's not you know he's not the reason for this or that, or you know, there's there's reasons for it. You know, he loves this city, he loves this team. You know, he would do anything if if he can. But you know, circumstances are circumstances, and you have to be understandable and people just see, you know, the outside things and or they read a headline or they see something mm. and they just think they know what they're talking about. So they just spew whatever they think and put it online. So that's why it's, you know, you can you just go, you got to ignore all that stuff and just try to, you know, just focus on the things you can. And yeah, it is funny sometimes reading some of this stuff because, you know, it's all a bunch of BS. Yep. Yep. Oh, by the way, that's what we're really good at in this business. As you know, that's right. what we are really good at here. <laughs> Pat Ricard is with us here on GCR. Not only a, a pro bowler, but more important, he is a softy, and that's why we love him around here. Um, uh, Pat, for you, you mentioned like a, a change in coaching staff, and that's interesting, right? Because there is a lot of excitement about it. But you know, you're a guy who had a lot of success under the last regime, right? Like you're a four-time pro bowler. You're a guy who got the ball a ton and was able to show off their skills. I, I know there's excitement, and we've all seen what Todd Munkin's done in other places, but. Did you like want to have a conversation like, hey man, this is the NFL. Like, there's still a role for me here, right? Like, did you want to have a conversation there when you found out there was going to be a new coaching staff in town? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Monkey does a good job of you know the the players that he has. He 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 will like make a scheme based on the players versus just coming in and saying this is what we're doing, this is what how I run it. So you know, I I do see a role for myself on this team with this offense, you know, being in it for the last couple of weeks and I'm excited for it. And, you know, it, it may not be quite as much as how much I was used with Greg Roman, but I'm okay with that. You know, as long as we're winning games and, you know, I'm doing my part to help win. That's, that's all I really care about. So right now I'm just trying to learn the playbook as best I can and then try to show my ability to where he can see what I can do. You know, I have film to back it up for the last number of years that he can see anyways, yeah. but yeah, you know, I think just him seeing me in person and all that is going to help just to kind of etch my role more so. But um, they're definitely excited with this offense and all the changes that are happening. I think it's going to be good for us. If there are, like, two or three fewer snaps per game, you know, like, with Calais gone, is there any chance that you go and say, hey, remember, I can do this other thing, too. Like, is there any chance that we get the return of two-way, full-on, you know, project pass? I think I think that's uh that, I think that's um in the past. That's now. back with fluff. Like we're, we're, that's where yeah, that back is. Back with fluff X. You know, me playing defensive line. I do miss it a lot. You know, I, I it was a lot of fun. It's it's a really fun position to play. A lot of glory behind it. You know, getting sacks and all that stuff. But I think um I think I found my role playing offense. Yeah, I it's been I, okay. Suits me better. I think I you know I'm really good at blocking. So <laughs> can I, you know stick with that. You know and ride this thing out. Yeah, I guess you're all right at that. I guess that's yeah. been proven that you're pretty decent at that whole <laughs> other thing. 
Uh, I saw you were at an Orioles game recently. Uh, is there yeah. is there any chance that like we fully won over a kid from New England? Is there like any chance that you <laughs> are really one of us now and you've abandoned maybe your old ways? Okay, so I am like okay, so I don't love baseball as much as I used to. Okay, so there's still gonna be a part of me that's still gonna love the Red Sox, but. I'm open to being an Orioles fan. Like I do okay. enjoy. I actually, I really did like going to the game. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought, but the Orioles, they're they're honestly a really good team right now. They are. It is a lot of fun to go and, and support them and watch them. So yeah, I mean, the, it's the Orioles or Red Sox for me right now. Okay, so that's a little awkward. Obviously, like there's no way of getting around <laughs> yeah, that. That's course, a little yeah. uncomfortable. Um, but the I'm Red sorry. Sox, the Red Sox kind of stink these days, bro. Like, I mean, I'm just being honest. No offense. Yeah. They kind of stink yeah, these days. So like maybe at least for a little while, could you like go full on and then, you know, like there'll be a day where the, your career in Baltimore will come to a close. You can always go back at that point. Like there's always right, right. like it's, it's like having a, a nice girl who's still waiting at home. I know you're happily married now and you're not thinking along those lines, but like, you know, there's always yep. the girl at home when you go off to college could that just be like the girl at home? And right now, you can you can have something hot and heavy with the Orioles for at least another couple of years while they're really good and the Red Sox aren't. I, I think I think you made a really good point. You know, I think I think the Red Sox will always be there for me, and it's my hometown team, and I'll always you know have them there. You know, I, I agree. I think right now my my this most is, of my attention is with the Orioles. I think I'd rather go to more Orioles games, especially at Camden Yards, than probably Red Sox games because. Is. You know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun right now, and I'm enjoying it. So, so much fun, man! It is so much fun right now. There have been some years, and you've been here uh, during some of those years where they have oh, been yeah. really yeah. painful. Not the best. It is so much and, more fun. And on top of it, I can't get a crab mac and cheese hot dog Bro. at Fenway Park. That, they don't. Do, they do not exist. The they do not absolutely ex- like a thousand out of ten. And can I can I say something that you might find to be disparaging? I uh you I the last like t- no the last no 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 I, of course do I not like Matt crab mac and cheese dogs they're perfect <laughs> no the last time I went to uh, Fenway I had a lobster roll and I found it to be kind of mid I was like this is only okay. yeah. as lobster rolls go and don't get me wrong like I'm not a hater I can enjoy right. a lobster roll I just thought the one they had at Fenway Park was like meh it was yeah. just okay as lobster rolls go so I think you yeah. really there's a there's a huge step up. In terms of Camden, Camden Yards Eats. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, it's probably, you know, just ballpark food, but the one at Camden Yards is next level for some yeah, reason. There we go. There we go. I can't. You, it, I, I, every time I think I like you, I end up liking you more. Like, this is great news. <laughs> uh, what else is going on with you? This all, I know you're back at work now. Are you going to do anything yeah, between yeah. Um, uh, mini camp and the start of training camp? Are you going to be able to go anywhere, do anything? Um, I mean, not... Not really. I think, you know, I think one thing that would be really cool and fun to do, I think uh, Kevin Zeitler, he, him and his wife were finishing up a, uh, like, their lake house cabin in That's Wisconsin. Cool. I think they're going to, you know, invite some of the guys on the team to go, I think, once mini camp's over. So I might go up there, you know, nor- the northern woods of Wisconsin. That's and, cool. And, you know, and, and I don't know. It probably is, is a little cold, but you know, is, is he, I know their is, log cabin's amazing. So it is, it'd be a lot of fun. Is he a hunter? I, I I think he told me that once before. Right? Does he hunt uh, at all? I don't know. I don't. I don't think Kevin hunts that much. Okay. He might, but I don't think he's like an avid hunter. All right. All right. All right. But maybe like some fishing, perhaps, sure. while you're up there. 
Yeah, maybe. I'm a, My wife's going to be more hunting than me. I'm going to be inside, you know, being all warm and stuff. But, uh... <laughs> Let them go yeah, outside, dude. You know? Yeah, right. I'm just going to chill. Actually, that doesn't right. sound so bad, if I'm being <laughs> honest with you. That right. sounds all right. Uh, Pat, is there anything I can plug for you, man? Like, I know it's it's all... You've had t-shirts. You've had all sorts of stuff going on. What, what, uh, what can I plug for you? Um, I mean... Always, you know, my Instagram at prick508, P-R-I-C. As we uh, always say, know that. thank you, not yep. prick, P-Rick. Yep. P-Rick, yep. And then um, same thing with my website, thepatrickricard.com. It just has different merch, like, you know, uh, Pancake Pat shirts. It just has different information about myself, ways to contact me. So it's always a good website. Again, thepatrickricard.com. Yeah, you're the man, dude. Always appreciate you. And of course, always what you and Haley do for the folks to show your soft side. It means the world to me and all animal lovers in our area, brother. I hope you know Mm -hmm. that. Thank you for taking the time, dude. We'll talk again real soon, all right? Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Great stuff with uh, Pat Ricard. That's our guy. And, you know, there's a lot in there to like, right? Like there's his reaction with Lamar, but I'd I'd really appreciated his answer. Um, You know, I bring it up. Hey, look, well, maybe everybody else was excited about it not being Greg Roman anymore. Greg Roman was really beneficial for Pat Ricard. Like, we got to be honest about that. It was a good thing for Pat Ricard. It helped make him money, you know, get him recognition, prominence as a Pro Bowl fullback, and now there's a new offensive scheme, and I don't know what that means for the role of a fullback. We know in the rest of the NFL there's barely a role for a fullback. Um so I could have understood, like, trepidation with Pat Ricard. And he said, look, man, I think that there's probably going to be lesser snaps for me. And I I appreciate that honesty where he's like, look, I think that's the reality. I think there will be a role, but I think there's probably going to be lesser snaps. I'll be okay with that. If we're winning, I can live with that. I can understand that that's the way that's going to work. I appreciate the fact that, you know, he was very honest about that. Um very candid about the fact that his role probably changes, that he was one of the guys who probably did benefit the most from the presence of Greg Roman here in Baltimore, and that does kind of change a little bit moving forward with Todd Munkin. But always appreciate Pat Ricard taking the time for us. Now, there's a little bit of a situation here. While you guys were listening to Pat Ricard, <laughs> I started hearing noises. Uh, those of you that aren't homeowners, those of you that aren't, um, you know, like uh, I, I don't want because well, this is gonna sound this is gonna sound gender roley. I don't want it to sound that way, but like those of you who aren't kind of responsible for things in your house, either because you're renting or just whatever it is, somebody else in your house takes care of those things. Yeah, but even if you're renting. Oh, you would probably have a landlord that, like, you yeah, know, you would, would be in charge of batteries replacing. Yeah, but you, yeah, I just you just might not think about it the same way, right? Like, there is nothing that exists since I become a homeowner. It's also if you're if you're in an apartment, there's what two the smoke detectors in the entire apartment, something like that. <clears throat> there's nothing that as a homeowner has driven me to the length of insanity, <laughs> the way that. A chirping smoke detector battery does. Oh my god. Insanity. I am at the cusp of of becoming full on Howard Hughes. I mean, really peeing in bottles. There was a time where I had checked every 
GD smoke detector in my house. Only to find out that apparently we have a smoke detector in our crawl space. Of course. The Safe. only time I've ever been in the crawl space, and I've we've lived in this house for eight years, something like that, maybe nine years, something along those lines. The only time I've ever been in the crawl space has been when I got to check a circuit breaker because that's where they are. They're down in the crawl space. So I go down, take a flashlight with me, flip the breaker, we're good, right? That's it. Turns out, one time, I had scoured my house, double and triple checking every effing smoke detector, and I'm still hearing, And to the point that Charles made off the air, Mrs. Clark, just going about her day. Me, I can't function. I am losing it. She says, oh, this happened once before, and my dad happened to be at the house, and he figured out there was a smoke detector in the crawl space. Why wouldn't you tell me that? Why? <laughs> she she just didn't realize uh, what you were doing, I guess. Why? <laughs> I wanted to be dead. I would rather be waterboarded than deal with this torture. So during Jeez. the course of that interview, I started to hear. He went over. You went over to the dentist office next door to make sure. I'm, I'm going all around the building. Griffin's all like, "I'm pretty sure it's in the recording." I'm like, "It sounds like it's out there." I can't handle it. I can't. If there is there is nothing that sets me off like a chirping smoke detector. To the point where I have said, I don't mean it, but I have said out loud multiple times, I'd rather we just not have smoke detectors. Whoa, whoa. I'd rather we whoa. just die in a fire. Whoa. And I don't mean it. I want to make that abundantly okay, clear. I don't okay. mean it. But in the moment, I kind of do. In the moment, I am feeling something that I cannot explain in words. It is so harrowing. I have not heard it, so I think Griffin was correct. I think he was right that it was in the recording of the Pat Ricard interview. I'm just surprised you didn't hear it when you Pat was it getting live. A, Pat was at his uh, uh, getting massage ah. as this was happening, so I don't know. I, there's no way. I could not be peaceful or relaxed in <laughs> those <laughs> circumstances. Or the, yeah. I, if I were him doing an interview, I would start screaming in the phone. I we got to do this later. And you know what's funny? <laughs> we got to do this later. I don't I remember can't. hearing it as we were talking yesterday. I don't remember that at all. So I don't know if it, I, I don't know anything. But if, if that was going on. You were in interview mode. Somebody, if I was on VEASAN, like I've been on a bunch of times recently talking about Lamar Jackson. If that was going on, I would say, God, I don't care. National interview that's on live on all these. I don't care. Guys, I can't do this. I can't. I am going to pull all of my hair out of my head. And I'm 40 now, about to be 40, so I can't afford to do that because it might never come back. God. Ah! It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. You're learning something about me in this moment. There's a lot of things I can put up with, a lot of things that don't bother me. People get bothered about things like, uh, you know, um, it's, it's dusty in here. I'm like, don't, don't bother me. The people see my computer screen, and they're like, how do you deal with that? Because I don't obsess about cleaning off the... The screen, I can deal with those things, but that, that cannot function, cannot continue my day, not capable. I would rather be dead. If that was Would You Rather Wednesday, by the way, would you rather, rather. 
be dead go. or spend the rest of your life with a chirping fi- oh remind me to teasing, include teasing would you it remind me to come yeah. up with a way to include a chirping fire alarm battery in would you rather wednesday yesterday or tomorrow <laughs> remind me to come up with something that includes that scenario oh it is torture let's get a tidbit shall right. we let's right. get a tidbit Tidbit of the day is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. Your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Andrew Verdugo uh, had his third walk-off hit uh, in the team's first 30 games of the season. He becomes the third player to ever have three walk-off hits in the first 30 games of a uh, team season. Okay. Uh, he joins Andrew Jones. Who did, did, you it say, with, did you say Andrew Verdugo? Uh, yeah, Alex Verdugo. I, I, I was like, I was actually legitimately worried that there was a different player that exists. Uh, Andrew Verdugo. <laughs> Alex Verdugo. I was like, is there somebody I don't know about? He joins Andrew Jones from Atlanta in 1999 and Bobby Bonds, who did it with San Francisco in 1973. Yes, but, but he plays for the Red Sox, so F him. That's, that's true. That's a good I, point. Good point. Good point. LeBron James. We just got Pat Ricard to swear off the Red Sox yeah. eternally. I th- I'm pretty sure is what he said. I'm trying to forever back in. <laughs> forever. And now you're over here like Alex Verdugo's awesome. Get the f out of here. Oh, he's just done. He's not saying it's awesome. I'm just saying he's done something. That a he, pox he, on you. I wish put, you were having to be stuck in a room with a chirping fire alarm. He's been put in you know opportunistic spots early in the season. Yeah, it's not really a real stat. This get, get. LeBron James and Steph Curry, they've combined for 60,364 career regular season points, the most, the second most, sorry, by opposing players entering a playoff series in NBA history, behind only LeBron and Carmelo when they faced off in 2020 uh, in, the, uh, in the first round of that okay. season. Okay. Just, uh, you know, just a lot of points. I'm surprised, I mean, I'm surprised yeah, LeBron's I mean, in both of them. Well, I, guess, I mean, I guess... Are you? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> like, why would you I guess be I'm surprised, just surprised that there's, yeah, there just wasn't another one. Uh, Celtics last night, they shot 58% from the field and committed just 10 fouls, yet they still lost to the Sixers last night. James Harden went off. In the regular season and playoffs, since 1954, teams were 23-0 entering last night when they shot at least 55% and committed 10 fouls or fewer. 23-0 all time. This rarely ever happens in the 23 times it's happened that that team wins. The Celtics lost last night to the Sixers. How about that? Without Joel Embiid. That's just a Bad real, sh- just a real yeah. shame for the folks of... Uh, Rough stretch for Boston. Yeah. Just a I real, guess Alex Verdugo did something. That real shame. Only two people. Real shame for the folks in Boston. P.J. Tucker for the Sixers had zero field goal attempts and zero free throw attempts in 37 minutes played. It's the most minutes played without an attempt of a free throw or a field goal in playoff history. Just getting his cardio in. Yeah. Uh, the most in the regular season. Would you like to try and guess who had the most uh, minutes played without a field goal <laughs> attempt or free throw in the regular season? It's very shocking. I've already seen it, so oh, I've Jones. ruled myself out. Looking over my shoulder. Yeah. It's very shocking. Well, usually you don't scroll all the way to the top. It's it's very shocking. Yeah. Insanely shocking. So it's Steph somehow. No. It's another point scorer. Harden, not James Harden. Oh, Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain played forty-six minutes in a game in nineteen seventy-three. Really bizarre man. He had fourteen really rebounds bizarre. and four assists, but did not attempt a single shot or free throw. Only fourteen rebounds. Only fourteen. I yeah. thought he'd make. I, I feel like right, that's the game where he has like, he has yeah, a, like a, a, a triple double <laughs> with with rebounds. <laughs> rebounds blocks. Po- yeah, right. One hundred percent. He made a point. Like I'm gonna dominate everything. Yeah, right. The points. 
Uh, and so Steph Curry obviously dropped 50 in Game 7 on Sunday night yeah. as the Warriors. Or I guess it wasn't Sunday night. It was Sunday afternoon as yes. the Warriors uh, stomped the Sacramento Kings. Most points ever in a Game 7. Can you guys uh, round out the top seven points scored in a Game 7? LeBron. LeBron is seventh. That is why I made it seven. So I can Ooh, include LeBron. Seventh. Kyrie. Yeah, LeBron is seventh. Uh, Ky- not Kyrie. Kind of surprised by that because I thought he. LeBron actually dropped forty-five twice, so he's tied for seventh. With Donovan himself. Mitchell. I feel mm, like he was on. Not Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Michael Jordan didn't play in a lot of game sevens, yeah. but I'll just say Michael Jordan anyway. It is not Michael Jordan. The most yeah. he had in a game seven was forty-two. Oh, so he stinks. Yeah. Kobe Bryant. Not Kobe Bryant. I mean, this is so specific as you like you have to yeah, remember game sevens and like I don't I don't know. I mean Shaq. Not Shaq. Reggie Miller. Not Reggie Miller. <sighs> Kevin Garnett. Not Kevin Garnett. There are two Kevins on this list. Neither Garnett. Kevin Love? Not Kevin Love. Kevin McHale. Not Kevin McHale. Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson is on this list in 1995. I was going to say Kevin Harlan. 46 in a game seven against the Houston Rockets. You're going to say Kevin Harlan? He doesn't play basketball. We're running out of Kevins. But there's another another, Kevin? There's another big Kevin that's... Garnett. No. No, we said Kevin Garnett. Sorry. Uh, There's another big Kevin. Who am I forgetting about? Though he currently plays. Chill. Oh, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant had this record. He set it in 2021. Uh, when he dropped 48 against Milwaukee with Brooklyn. Embiid in that game there. He hit Not the Embiid. Giannis. Not Giannis. Vince Carter had a big game seven. I remember that once. Uh, it was not Vince Carter. One more active player, two more uh, older players who I guess I'll just give you. Dwayne Wade. Not Dwayne Wade. Well, I mean, active d- player. You're, Paul I, George. Why can't I guess the other two guys? Fine, Why I'll do you think you, it's more likely you, than I'm a- you're so frustrated when you guess. So I was like, all I'm right, I'll just give it I'm frustrated by you. a lot of things. Smoke detectors. We, yeah. haven't, we haven't changed all of them, have we? It'd be great news. Uh, Pippen. Not Pippen. It was also 2021 also with this West Coast team. Damian Lillard. Not Damian Lillard. With this West Coast team. Clay? Not, not Clay. Not in the playoffs. This this He didn't make the playoffs this go around. Luka Doncic. Luka. Had, uh, That's not a West Coast team. It's a West Conference. You said Sorry. West Coast. All right, West Conference, Coast. Asshole. I'll give you that one. I You're that. wrong. It's a West Conference. You Coast said the West thing. Coast. No, they're Memphis, definitely not. Memphis is a West Coast team in my mind. It's in the worse West. that Charles got it right because he was wrong. Well, it was as soon as he said they weren't in the playoffs. And I was Dallas. Like, so he was West the best Coast player team. not in the playoffs this year. In 46 uh, in 2021 against the Clippers. This is, I hate everything. Hate everything. One of these players did this in 1963. They Elgin both had 47. Baylor. Not Elgin Baylor. It's always Elgin Baylor, yeah. I thought. Yeah. Well, Jerry West. Not Jerry West. His teammates with Bill Russell. His teammates with Bill the Russell. Havlicek. Well, that's not a bad one. Kuzi. No. no, not Kuzi. Uh, Casey Jones. Not Casey Jones. All right, just tell me. Last name's correct. Jones. 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 I don't know. Sam Jones. Sam Jones. I should have said Sam Jones. And then in 1988, with the Atlanta Hawks, he dropped 47. Dominique Wilkins. Dominique yep. Wilkins had 47 against the Celtics. Human that was a loss. A lot of those are probably wins. <sighs> very good. Right. I say it's very good. I'm still very – I'm not sure it was very good. And also, remember we talked about the all the number of NBA tidbits we're doing? I like having, having I like, that conversation? I like Charles be involved. And I don't know. Do you think Charles doesn't know base, football? Well, he doesn't know baseball. What do you mean he doesn't know baseball? Baseball is more of the – 
God. What's happening? So that's But there was a draft. Okay. Were you not familiar with it? It was all anybody was talking about. That's God. All right, want to do the most number one overall picks? What no, team? What franchise? I want to move on. Okay. I want to be done with this. Tubular is brought to you today by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning. A.J. Michaels, heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available more at ajmichaels.com. Orioles-Royals open up the series tonight. It's on Masson 2 from down in Kansas City at 740. Tyler Wells on the mound against Ryan Yarborough. Uh, Patriot League tournament gets underway tonight. Loyola and Navy, 7 o'clock on ESPN Plus from Annapolis. Uh, Mount St. Mary's and Maryland in baseball action at 630 on Big Ten Network. Plus, Maryland back in the top 25 this week after they went and swept that series at Indiana, the match show I was talking so much about last week. They went and swept Indiana, so they're atop the Big Ten and back in the top 25. Good week for Maryland. They host Mount St. Mary's today. TNT Heat-Knicks game two at 730. Lakers-Warriors game one at 10. ESPN Panthers-Maple Leafs game one at 7. Kraken-Stars game one at 930. Masson Cubs Nationals at 7. TBS Blue Jays Red Sox at 7. MLB Network Phillies Dodgers at 10. USA for Arsenal Chelsea at 3. NXT WBNXT at 8. Bryce so Harper now. debuting tonight for the Phillies. Ah, how His about season that? debut. How yeah. about 160 that? days post TJ surgery. That's pretty remarkable. It, is. it really is nuts. Not sports. Uh, oh, it's tough because the writer strike. They're not doing. Yeah, uh, I know. So I guess I mean they had stuff scheduled, but they, oh no, they're not doing doctor. The, they're not doing any the late more night late shows nights. are okay. bagged. Okay, well, then yeah. I guess there's no point in me telling you who was supposed to be on. Doctor no. Phil was gonna be on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, okay, because his mean, show's ending after 21 seasons. Mm, that's sad. Doctor Phil, and then uh, King Charles, the boy who walked imagine, alone. Imagine the legacy of your show being. Catch me outside. How about that? He's probably pretty proud I of it. Imagine that being the only thing that anyone knows about the entire history of your show. Oh, I was disappointed. Paul Giamatti was supposed to be on Seth Meyers. That was a real bummer. It is a bummer. Yeah. Uh, so King Charles, the boy who walked alone documentary, it's about King Charles. It's on Paramount+. Plus. That's the only thing. That is the only thing on Tubular tonight. That All is right. worth a highlight. All right. All right. Very good. Thanks to uh, today to... Oh, we got to thank... I can remember everybody. Calm down over there. Okay. I got it. Pat Ricard, David Shaw, Patrick Stevens, Jordan Westberg. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Uh, Ravens seventh round pick Andrew Voorhees scheduled to join us tomorrow. He is the player that uh, they traded back in for that everybody thinks could have been a second, a third round pick. He is the guy, the badass who tore his ACL but went and did how many reps did he do? 38. 38 reps the on the bench anyway. Most at the combine. Most at the T- combine. How, taking his crutches over to the bench <laughs> and just doing it anyway. It was a wild scene. Um, we're going to talk to him and about the emotions. It's been obvious. I'm guessing a roller coaster for him uh, to this point as uh, he's going to miss this season. But the Ravens think he was worth it. And we'll talk to Andrew Voorhees on the program tomorrow. Anything else? Stuff and Stuff things. And things. Stuff and things. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, All-America Lacrosse, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Charles. Are we thinking the sponsor of the Lamar meter still, or no? Well, they're still part of the family, but okay. not... What? what? Do we have, like, a read for them? It's not a read. We just always did a mention, and I okay. did it, and okay, everything's good. All right, good. Yeah, it's okay. Sorry. I got it under control. I got it. Yes, at the top of the show. Yeah, when I was asking you if you'd gotten a winner yesterday, I said, Ah, yes. Yeah. Now I remember. Huh? It's coming back. That coming was back. It. That was coming back. 
at uh, charles.ap28 on Instagram is how you follow him. Next to last day for Charles here. We got a very emotional ceremony planned on Thursday. Oh, God. We've been, it, we've passed things down through the ages on uh, Thursday. It's a big day. At uh, Griffin underscore Bass for him. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks.